Ellinger out of the gun, motions Moelle Cox to the right side, two receivers left, he looks that way, deep drop, gonna take a shot deep downfield, looking for Alec Pierce, and Pierce, he's got it! Kick is up, and it is good, but the Colts take the lead. They take the lead, but not by the margin that they wanted. We didn't get in on a third and goal, it seemed like the percentage play, I think the charts were, you know, pretty even. Colts sweep it left side, oh, checks with the Naeem Hines, he's in there! He waltzes in from six yards away, touchdown, Naeem Hines! Shotgun snap for Heineke, dancing in the pocket again. Finds all kinds of time, he sets up, he launches downfield at the five-yard line, broken up by the Colts, and it is a catch, oh, what a catch! Terry McLaurin fights the football away from Stephon Gilmore. Heineke under center, Robinson is the back, and oh, it's Heineke taking a shot, make that on a quarterback plunge. He dives across the end zone and a touchdown. They gave it to him. Yes, it's a quarterback keeper for Taylor Heineke. Obviously unfortunate. I thought as an offense we had a lot of opportunities. We just shot ourselves in the foot. Pretty accurate. They are from Sam Ellinger. And really a shame that in his first start he played as well as he did and yet no victory for the Colts as they blow a two-score lead in trying to close that one out. Happy Halloween. Um, I believe some rain in the forecast here in Indy today. Hopefully uh, not too much during trick-or-treating hours. I forgot, Mark, you know, it's the second straight year I've gone bacon costume and uh-huh. um, I believe our YouTube audience can see us. And our glowing faces on this Monday morning. The bacon costume ramps up the temperature mm-hmm. a whole lot, and my turning radius <laughs> is, is limited. I feel like I'm like driving like a U-Haul right now. Like when like I turn, I'm really on. cranking the neck yeah. to look over at you. So Kevin Bacon for the second year in a row, at least you're consistent. Correct. And uh, your locks are beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the way you're hot in your costume, I'm hot with this wig on. I'm mm-hmm. Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. So you have not seen Stranger Things, so that reference fell deaf on you and uh, Sam. Haven't mm. seen the latest season. Yeah. Well, that that would confuse you then. Who? Uh, Avon Dad says, who's the hot chick? Hi, that's me, sir. How are you? Uh, Sam, you want to give us a little intel into your... Costume is a little dark on the YouTube camera for you. I, I shop at Dan Flashes. That's pretty much what my costume is. Uh, very intricate patterns that crisscross and overlap. And this this shirt cost me $450 out the door. I love it. I love the reference. Kevin has no idea what you're talking yeah, dude, about. Right over my head. Ashley goes, I opened the stream and was very confused. Forgot it's Halloween. Yeah, it is Halloween. So uh, in true fashion, we're dressing up again. Do you think Jake would dress up? Oh, I'm sure he'd be like, oh, and he'd had he'd have like a a polo on. He'd be like, I'm dressed fancy or something. Yeah, 100. percent You know the old college joke of because oh, he he came he I'm came dressed on. up as the guy taking you home. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, he jumped on the show right after Halloween, so we wouldn't have we don't know if he dresses right. up or not. We're gonna have to we'd find have to out him. next year. Jake will be back later this week. A uh, good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, and Sam Fritz. As always, Jeff Saturday who. Was on anvil duty yesterday for the Tart Glen Ring of Honor. He's going to join us here in the 9 o'clock hour. Mark, it's probably more of an indictment on how this season has gone. The Colts have not been in a position to have many heartbreaking losses. I would qualify yesterday as that. A two-score lead in your own building, facing a backup quarterback, You know, six minutes to go in the game, and the defense had a couple opportunities to try and finish that game. The offense had an opportunity to try and finish that game. And while Ellinger is right in that opener, you know, he had a big fumble. Jonathan Taylor had a big fumble. We see this in the NFL. 
good football teams get into those games and they finish. And the Colts are a bad, maybe mediocre football team. And whether it's the multiple fourth downs by Taylor Heineke, the Terry McLaurin, I am a number one wideout, no questions asked yeah. play, versus Michael Pittman, who I have often labeled as a number one wideout with his big drop there, whether it was the confusing short yardage situations, deciding not to go for it, those things. Um, the Colts had a half a dozen plays to try and finish that game in a big offer. And now here they are, 3-4-1. and one. And as I said all last week and was reassured yesterday, it's time to sell. Yeah, couldn't agree more with the selling part. Hopefully, we'll see some uh, some news later today or tomorrow. Trade deadline is tomorrow, so we'll see if the Colts are indeed sellers. Uh, hopefully, some some people are making some calls. We'll see. But yeah, I, I thought I thought Sam Ellinger for a first NFL start was decent. I would agree. I, I, I yeah, like the play uh-huh. calling. I thought that was fine. It was just another instance of the Colts just yeah shooting themselves in the foot. Whether it was going for a 20-yard field goal on the one because you got stuffed on third and goal. So you said, hey, most expensive offensive line, Jonathan Taylor, nope, we're going to kick it. And you kicked the field goal, and then it ended up costing you down the end of the game. And then uh, Terry McLaurin didn't have the, quite the game that I thought he would, but he made his presence known, especially on that one of those final plays where he just snatched the ball from Stephon Gilmore down to the one. gave the They gave the commanders a very easy score to go ahead and salt the game away. You know, honestly, Terry McLaurin's got it. Like, he has dreamt probably of that moment. Oh, yeah. I thought he made it. I thought at first, I was like, if he gets a walk-off touchdown. Right. Marvin Harrison in the building. McLaurin yeah. mentioned he dressed up as Marvin for Halloween a couple of years when he was growing up here in Indy. Marvin, of course, there for the Tar Glen mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, said that Marvin came up to him before the game started, and I think Marvin knew that Terry McLaurin was a huge fan of his and was like, hey, man, you want to get a picture? Um, and then for McLaurin to deliver like that on the Ellinger front I I agree Mark you know so many people ask me all week long how do you think he's gonna do how do you think he's gonna do and I the immediate phrase I went to is he's not gonna puke over himself like on himself again I I I should say like I feel like he will acquit himself well I I don't think it's gonna be too big for him of course the fumble was a huge issue doesn't Um, seem to matter who the quarterback is they're gonna fumble the football if they're in a Colts uniform and that was just simply he dropped it yeah I don't know if he's trying to put two hands on it or trying to exchange hands there Uh, that was obviously a big big play I would say the thing Ellinger related from yesterday that I was probably most impressed with two two things stand out Mark first off how he bounced back from the fumble that was such a big play you're thinking to yourself oh boy rookie you know uh first career start and how is he going to react to that that can be kind of a back-breaking moment uh he bounced back really well from it and then I felt like I saw a few more big league Sunday throws down the field than I thought I would see obviously the deep ball to Pierce which we heard there in the opener with Matt Taylor on the call um he threw the ball down the field to Campbell that drew the pass interference penalty and then that that ball to Pittman there on the final drive I mean that you can't draw it up any better than that. Nope. If Pittman makes that catch, he's out of bounds at what? The 50, the 45. You still have one timeout. 10, 15 yards. Chase McLaughlin comes out and kicks a 55-yarder for the win or 50-yarder from for, for the win. That part to me, Mark, of, yes, it was a heavy dink and dunk afternoon, but I thought there were a few more Sunday throws out of Ellinger that I wasn't sure if we'd see. Yeah, agreed. I like the play calling. I think he... He did well, given what they asked him to do. I liked the designed runs that he had. I thought he it was a nice element that Colts don't usually have in their 
in their game. But I want yeah. to see him out of the pocket just a little bit more. A little bit more would have been nice, but I mean, oh boy, you. you you want to be a number one wide receiver, Michael Pittman, you cannot drop that ball. You're doing your young quarterback no favors dropping that ball. That could have been a huge confidence boost. You could have set your team up for a possible game-winning field goal and instead just dropped it. Just dropped it. That's all he did. I mean, disappointing there. But I thought I thought Frank Reich and the play calling was actually pretty solid for, for what they did for a first time for Sam Ellinger. Hopefully yeah, they build I, off of that a little more. I would like to see more, like you said, schemed runs and whatnot. I didn't I, – I, it was a nice little change of pace than what we were used to seeing these first seven games with Matt Ryan. I think that's a good way to put it, change of pace, because I did think in the positive Reich moment category, I felt like he did a better job of getting Hines in space, getting Paris Campbell in space. That Paris Campbell performance yesterday I think was what we all thought when he came out of Ohio State. You give him the ball in these like high percentage situations, a little screen, a jet sweep, and then he does the rest. You go make a play. You're you're four three forty yard dash guy. You make a play with the ball in your hands. We saw that out of Campbell. My Reich issues are there is just a there's a lack of execution and a lack of confidence in short yardage. I did not understand the Sam Ellinger. We didn't have a chance to run QB sneaks with him in practice. Yeah, what does that mean? I, like, what? Yeah. Sam Ellinger, first off, is one of the more, I think, naturally instinctive football players probably on your entire roster. I think he can handle it. And and is a quarterback sneak one of the easiest plays to figure out how to do it? You just the, put, everybody pushes forward. And That's then I would do. say bigger picture with Reich. And again, some of this probably has to do, Mark, with seeing all those Colts greats in the building yesterday for the Tart Glen Ring of Honor. You now have gone 10 straight games without a halftime lead. You got to go back. Today's Halloween, as you can see on the YouTube chat with our costumes. Uh, I wear Christmas this every day. Yeah, Christmas last year, the last time the Colts had a halftime lead. If I'm Jim Mercer right now, I'm thinking to myself, our head football coach clearly is struggling with this football team and getting them to play with some sort of urgency out of the gate. And you couple that with the offensive football that we continue to see. Um, you had the blip on the radar of the Jacksonville game and scoring over 20 points. Now you're back to reality with where you are with this offense. Again, just a mighty struggle to even get into the end zone. You didn't do it until the final quarter yesterday, and you score 16 points. Those would be the two things that, in evaluating the head football coach, big picture, 10 straight games without a halftime lead, and my offensive-minded play-calling head coach, we continue to struggle and getting 20 points, folks. I mean, 20. Yeah. We're not talking about 30. It's not a big ask. 20 points. This day in the, the NFL. What did you think of their decision to go for the field goal after they got stuffed on third and goal? Yeah, Because I one, thought that changed the game. Yeah, didn't it back you up to like the three, though, after that? I mean, Taylor got stuffed. I just can't believe Quentin Nelson continues to whiff like that in those short yardage yeah. situations. I That one, I know hindsight is very 20-20, and at the end of the day, Mark, Taylor Heineke had to drive 89 yards the Frank Reich that I know would have gone for the fourth and inches there with like two minutes and 30 seconds to go. Yeah, I get that you're backed up, all of that. But again, a QB sneak in that moment, is the success rate of that is what? At least 80%, probably more than 90% category. If you get it in that moment, you pretty much ice the game. I felt like you played with fire when you kicked the ball away. And your pass rush was so quiet on that final drive. The injury to Tyquan Lewis was awful to see. 
Um, that is something certainly to keep an eye on because I do think he's been a key part of your defense this season. And at the end of the day, the commanders had the best player on the field, and that was Terry McLaurin making a play. And I just thought when you kicked it there, Heineke had gotten a bit of a jolt on the previous drive. Again, your pass rush was struggling. Um Man, multiple fourth downs. Yeah. You had so many chances. I felt like so many chances. I felt like that one. You kicked that field goal. You were playing not to lose at that point. You were you weren't trying to win. You were just playing not to lose. You you kind of were like, okay, we can't punch it in. We have the most expensive offensive line. We have Jonathan Taylor, who's the reigning rushing leader in the league. But we're just gonna go with the field goal and just try to take the lead and hopefully hang on. That's so you're up you nine doing. to six after that field yeah. goal. That was twelve thirty to go. <laughs> I mean, you you get the Leonard pick on the very next play, and Hines scores a touchdown. I mean, you're up 16 to seven with six minutes to go in the game. Again, at home, backup quarterback, finish. Yeah, just finish. I mean, that's all we're asking. Seriously, um, I feel like we're not too demanding. Three, four, one now on the year of the Colts. The Titans win yesterday, so that lead in the AFC South is pretty much three games as we reach the midway point of the season. Again, the NFL trade deadline. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock in positive indie sports news, uh, continue to build the statue of Benedict Mather. Oh, man. Yeah. That was a nice, that was a a nice, solid game from the Pacers the other night. Yeah. Beat the, uh, beat the Nets. Many would say it was an upset. I would say that as well. Matherin with 32 points. Tyrese Halliburton continues to show why he could be the face of the team going forward. Halliburton Matherin. Halliburton Matherin. Just keep on saying that to yourself, Pacers fans. Now, can you, can you do it again tonight? Well, yeah, tonight you're playing with house money. I mean, frankly, as someone that needs 30 wins, I was pretty pleased to see the back-to-back. Uh, Miles Turner, terrific on Friday uh, on ESPN against Washington, and this then on Saturday. Set off. Oh, boy. I'm I'm dying. Are I'm you all right over there? I'm hot right now. That's I'm a hot. lot of hair that oh you're working God, with. Oh, my God, it's falling off. The this headset's is, struggling. This is not going to last Staticky headset. Oh, my goodness. This is just – this is all for you folks. That's what we're doing here. Again. Sacrifices. You look outstanding on this Thank Monday you. morning. Oh, uh, yeah, Benedict Mather in 32. And, you know, Mark, on this five-game road trip tonight will be the fifth and final game. It'll be the Nets again tonight. And then, kind of weirdly, the Pacers don't play again until Friday. It'll be the Heat over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on Friday. Yeah, he struggled shooting it in Philly. He struggled shooting it in Chicago. Um, even in Washington a little bit. And I was just curious, second night of a back-to-back, how would he respond to that? And, I mean, yeah, like 22 in the first half. And then the fourth quarter with Kyrie and Kevin Durant out on the floor. Matherin, unafraid. Some big, big moments for you. Um, More signs. More signs of this is a guy that is going to be a star for the Pacers. Uh, I thought Isaiah Jackson gave you a ton of big minutes on Saturday night. And without Miles Turner, without TJ McConnell, without Aaron Neesmith, you're down three of your top six or seven. Really nice win for the Pacers. I thought Buddy Heald looked good again, too. I thought, I thought he had another solid game. I mean, I know he's Buddy on the trade, trade value, block, but man. keep, keep boosting that up. But I, I really like what he's done to start the season as well. So, yeah, solid weekend for the Pacers. They're hopefully maybe, maybe get up to 500 again if they a win tonight. We'll see. Horrific performance again by Bally Sports. No shock there. So we'll touch on that a little bit later. Now you have the, the channel itself or the, the show. You, yes. You don't have the streaming service. No, no, no. We are We have not cut the cord. Um... Yeah, I mean, eight minutes of game action. And this just happens far too often. Eight minutes of game action missed on Saturday night due to glitches, technical difficulties. Um, And again, this happens way too often. I'm sure glad Um, they didn't sign an extension with them. Right, Mm mm-hmm, yeah. A hell of a partnership 
um, by the Pacers and Bally Sports. Uh, again, we'll take your calls throughout the show as we recap 17-16 to yesterday, the Commanders over the Colts. Um, a guy that I thought deserved to be ripped last week for his performance, but I thought bounced back really well, was actually the punter. Matt Hawk had a strong day yesterday. He had four punts, three of them inside the 20-yard line You know there. the season's going well when we're highlighting the punter's yeah. ability. You know, it was such a... I mean, what was it, 7-6 to six going to the fourth quarter? Was that right? Yeah. I mean, when you're in a game like that, Mark, like field position is huge. <laughs> I, I just found it funny that like the Fox broadcast, the national, was like, most of you will be seeing 49ers Rams. The others will be seeing Giants Seahawks. <laughs> like, they didn't even mention the Colts and Commanders are about to come up. They're like, oh, you guys in Indianapolis and Austin, Texas are about to in, be in for a treat that the rest of the country is going to miss out on. You know, something Ellinger-related, Mark, from yesterday that was just a reminder to me of – in today's NFL, and honestly, Maddie said this to me when when I got home last night. You know, the Bills were smoking the Packers, and Maddie's like, "Man, I feel like all of the um, star quarterbacks are struggling this year." And again, for her, the star quarterbacks are Rodgers, Brady, Matt Ryan. You know, quarterbacks she's uh-huh. used to watching right. for over a decade. And I think I was reminded yesterday of whatever the Colts do at quarterback in the future. You just you need the leg element. You need the ability to make some plays with your legs. Um, I thought Ellinger kind of sparked that first scoring drive with his legs. Um, I think he had like a scramble on a third down, and then on the very next play, stepped up in the pocket, avoided pressure, found Michael Pittman over the middle of the field. Um, it's just that jolt that he brings to this offense that, again, if he scrambles for a first down there late and doesn't come up you know, eight inches short, we're probably talking about it even more. It's so necessary, I think, for any offense – but especially the Colts right now, who in a normal offensive setting, they just can't consistently produce. It had it adds a whole other element for a defense to try to defend against. Because you're like, well, he can roll out, he can toss into his running back, he can go deep on us. Oh wait, he can roll out and run. Like I not to go to the Bears just because of it. But what did you watch like the Justin Fields is running all over the Cowboys? Granted the Bears got smoked and everything, but it adds that element where you're just like, if we can have a guy that has some kind of legs that has the threat of running it, the, most defenses don't have to worry about that for the Colts. With Phil Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz under center, you don't usually have to worry about them tucking and running. Yeah, where, ta- go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, Taylor had the 27-yarder yesterday. Um, I think that was the longest run of the season for him. And on that play, if you go back and watch it, the fact that Ellinger you know, sticks in Taylor's belly and just for a moment that Washington D end has got to freeze thinking if Ellinger keeps it, I've got to be on the perimeter and account for him or account for the tight end in the flat. And just that half second, that allows Taylor to not be touched as early as he probably would be if that was Matt Ryan or somebody like that. Um, and I just, again, maybe it's today's NFL. Maybe it's how the college game has continued to um, kind of infiltrate, if you will, in the NFL game. Having a quarterback that can do some of that is absolutely vital. I mean, hell, look at Heineke. Yeah. Even, I mean, he, he's not the most dynamic runner, but the fact that he has some He just some keeps things to, alive. Right. Yeah, he was, God, he was outstanding in the fourth quarter. I mean, look at the Rams with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's a statue back yeah, there. Stafford's he's another killed. one. Stafford's another one. Yeah. Um, again, I thought just from a couple of Sunday throw standpoint, whether it was the touch ball to Naheem Hines on the sideline, where they had Hines isolated against a linebacker. Great touch on that ball. Obviously, the one to Pierce stands out. Um, again, Pittman right on the money. All in all, it was about the Ellinger experience I expected. That would have been the one, um, I think, biggest surprise and the positive development was 
I thought we saw a few more Sunday throws from him than I was expecting. I didn't think you saw like massive timing issues. No. Or, you know, pre-snap, they had the one where it's kind of a jailbreak sack, and clearly him and Ryan Kelly weren't on the same page there. But, I mean, Mark, he was 17-23. to 23. Uh, I think, was that a Taylor drop early in the game? You could you could argue it was. Pittman had the drop. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty good day. I mean, pass a rating of 100. Yeah. Can't, I mean, have we seen that at all this season? Pass a rating of 100, maybe, once. Add in multiple games, probably know. to get to 100 there. Uh, we already have the announce crew for the Colts-Patriots game. Are you ready for this one? Oh, my gosh. Six days out? Yeah. You ready? Is it Spiro? No. Greg Gumbel, Adam Archuleta, A.J. Ross. Is that first Gumbel of the year? I think so. And I think, Mark, that becomes the next question for Ellinger. Is now it's NFL film. Now you got to go on the road. We'll see what the weather looks like Sunday afternoon in Foxborough. Bill Belichick coming off a win, getting ready for you. Um, I think those are you know some of the next steps and um, and his job interview here. Again, the Colts lose 17-16, now 3-4-1 and one on the season. Um, we'll wait an injury update on Tyquan Lewis as he got carted off with a knee injury that look good. late in the game. Um, Shaquille Leonard, Mark, your thoughts on his performance? 24 snaps. The pitch count was right around 20. Shaq said after the game, I think he only played one series in the first half. He played a good amount in the second half. At one point, he's out there for three straight series. He was not on the field on the final drive of the game. Uh, your thoughts on Leonard? I think he's okay. I mean, it's just I, I feel like at this point, we need to just forget about the all-pro Shaq Leonard this season. Just I mean, whatever we get is a bonus, I'd say, at this point, just with his injuries and all that stuff. I don't think he's going to be a full 100% the rest of the season. Um, he's okay, but I, I think... Thinking that he's going to be the all-pro linebacker that we're used to seeing, I think, is is foolhardy. I, I just feel like he's he is what he is at this point. He's got to get rehabbed. He's got to get right. Uh, hopefully that back's healed up from the surgery in the offseason. He's okay. I think he got kind of the full Leonard experience yesterday. You know, it was some clear rust, um, some poor misses in the run game early on. I thought Washington, frankly, ran it right at him on that first drive he was out there. Um, you saw some guys make plays in space, like just some poor angles for him. Uh, but then he comes up w- with that interception. And it was a great rush by Tyquan Lewis to force that Heineke throw. But, you, you know, you could say, oh, you know, Heineke just threw a ball in the middle of the field. Anybody would have picked that off. That play's been missing from this defense all year long. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can just say that that would have been a given. That is the Leonard experience. You live with some of those other issues because he is able to make – such a big play for you in that moment. Uh, the playing time really decreased for Bobby O'Karake and EJ Speed with Leonard out there. Zaire Franklin continued to play every step. He continues to have a really nice season. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. Um, Him, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, and Speed. I mean, Speed made another big play in short yardage. And again, Mark, this comes back to the Speed in the contract year, O'Karake in the contract year. Like, yeah, boy, the. There's the a lot need, of decisions to be made. The need for Leonard long term, I, I I get turnovers have been an issue, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a that's a decision you got to ask yourself. And you're locked up with for a while now. And good luck trying to move that contract. How would you rate how crispy my bacon is? Uh, so far so good. I'm I'm sure by the nine o'clock hour, if the temperature keeps rising with our wig, my wig, and your costume, it might be a little floppy bacon. You like floppy bacon? No, or you like crispy? Not bacon? at all. You're a crispy bacon guy. 
Um, Mark, you got to flip your camera on and off. Oh boy, oh Wait. boy. Eddie Munson is he in the is he in the uh, upside down right now? Is that do you get that reference at all? No, I do not. Oh my god. Everybody needs to look at Mark's costume here on this Halloween morning here. We might have to do that off 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 uh, off air when we go to break. Jeff Saturday going to join us in the nine o'clock hour. We'll get to your calls here. Uh, obviously, got to go through our fan tweets of the week. Some of them made me laugh. Some of them made me cry. Game three of the World Series tonight, 8:03 first pitch as that series shifts to Philly. Monday night football, it's the Battle of Ohio, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. Uh, all division winners won yesterday in the NFL, so not a lot of upsets. From that standpoint, the Eagles continue to be undefeated, and the Titans, Derrick Henry, ran for over 200. They overcome Malik Willis's rookie struggles in that first start as the Titans move to 5-2 and two on the year. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz on this Monday morning. Happy Halloween. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Query on the spooky Halloween Monday. Uh, it was spooky at Lucas Oil Stadium last oh, yesterday. Good uh, spooky, buddy. Washington Commanders. Top the Indianapolis Colts 17 to 16 with Tyler Heineke scoring a game-winning one-yard touchdown run with 22 seconds left. Uh, we had Sam Ellinger make his NFL debut. He was he was solid, 17 for 23, 201 yards. Alec Pierce three catches for 65 yards. Jonathan Taylor on the ground, 16 rushes for 76 yards. Colts fall to three, four, and one, and have the New England Patriots up next. Uh, yesterday was all about the mistakes. You had two costly turnovers on drives that were in scoring territory. A massive drop by Michael Pittman late and inability to close things out defensively. Here was Frank Reich yesterday on those mistakes. There's a red zone. I mean, you know, we get down there and we, we had a miscommunication on a snap where the ball come, you know, the, the ball came early. It was a miscommunication on a snap and then obviously the two turnovers down there. You know, you're, you're you know, you're, you're, you're those are points on the board. So we got, we just got to find – and then we had a run. We're first and 10, and we get a minus five run down there. You know, so you get two turnovers, a miscommunication on a snap, a minus five-yard run, all kind of right around that 20-yard line where, we, where we're moving the ball. We, we're going to put points on the board. We're going to maybe score touchdowns, and we're coming away too many times with nothing or three points. So we got to find a way to get that corrected. Colts had six drives reach at least the 28-yard line of Washington, so pretty much six drives in red zone area. Two turnovers, three field goals, one touchdown. Yeah. That means 16 points. Yeah. Not a recipe. Not going to cut it for uh, most NFL scores. For success. Other oh. no, notable scores around the NFL. Titans moved to 5-2 and two atop the AFC South. They beat the Texans 17-10. Eagles all over the Steelers, 35-13. Broncos topped the Jaguars in London, 21-17. Let's ride. Let's ride, Broncos <laughs> country. Let's ride. Falcons atop the, AF, the NFC South. Who would have thought that? 37-34 in overtime over the Panthers. Cowboys throttled the Bears, 49-29, and the Packers got swamped by the Bills, 27-17 last night on Sunday Night Football. That was a nice end to my Sunday. I think your Bears gave up about half a hundred yesterday. Yeah, yeah. The defense is not good. Justin Fields, pretty good. Uh, the Pacers are 3-4, and four, back-to-back wins Friday and Saturday night. Miles Turner outstanding on ESPN on Friday night. Uh, and then on Saturday, Benedict Matherin, again, 32 points for the rookie. Tyrese Halliburton had 26. Isaiah Jackson really stepping up as they beat the Nets. Ten-and-a-half-point underdog, and they beat the Nets by nine on Saturday night. Tonight, it'll be a rematch again with Brooklyn. That concludes a five-game 
nine-day road trip for the Pacers. Their next home game will be this Friday with the Heat at 6.30. World Series Game 3 tonight heads to Philadelphia for the Astros and Phillies. Series tied 1-1. Lance McCullers against Noah Syndergaard. First pitches at 8.03. Astros uh, cheating again? Phillies in seven. Oh, oh. Why do you say that? Did I, did I miss something? Uh, yeah. What was it? Uh, what's his name? Framar Valdez or yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. There was uh, some video of him. Kept rubbing his wrist Ooh. and then rubbing the ball. Easy now. And then right when he was going to the uh, the dugout, show here. he was uh, wiping his, his pant leg like he was wiping it off. So uh, some people, I'm not going to say who, some people might think that uh, there might be some trouble afoot. Phillies in seven. I know Sam Fritz will yell and scream about that, but Phillies in seven. I, I'm going to be polite today. I'm just going to say that you're incorrect. Phillies in six. Mm. Series back in, the, or in Philadelphia now. Game three, four, and five will be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before that series shifts back to Houston, if necessary, for game six. All right, uh, a bit of a cryptic Kenny Moore tweet. I know some people will like some thoughts on that. We'll provide that, get more into the day for Sam Ellinger, and get to your calls as well. Halloween is here. Um, I would say nice temp. As long as we can dodge the rain, this will be a pretty good night to trick-or-treat. It's got to be cooler out there than it is in here right now. I'm sweating yeah, like my, I stole something. My glasses are starting, starting to fog up. The bacon is sizzling in studio on this Monday morning. Uh, Kevin Aquari with Mark Dykton. Pretty cryptic Kenny Moore tweet we'll get to in just a second. Mark, I feel like these historical notes happen way too often against the Colts. What you got? Uh, so remember we had Ben Standig on, uh-huh. uh, covers commanders for the Athletic. He tweeted this out. Per NFL research, it was the yesterday was the second time since 2000 that Washington won after trailing by multiple scores in the final five minutes. They had lost. They had been in those situations 129 times since the year 2000 and had lost 128 of them. Oh, wow. Yikes. I literally feel like those types of historical notes I see happen with the Colts a handful of times every year. Mm-hmm. They're always on the wrong side of everything. Oh, Trevor Lawrence has completed 98.6% of his passes. That is a you know record for him, you know, like like those things. Yeah. Drew Brees, that's an NFL record for completion percentage against the Colts. Like, yeah, inability to finish up two scores oh, boy. Uh, in the fourth quarter yesterday. Every single phase failed the Colts. In that one. The Kenny Moore tweet, which has since been deleted, reads like this. That's when you know it's a good tweet, is when you delete it <laughs> yeah, right away. Exactly. Are you always curious, like, who gets to him for the deleted yeah. tweet? Hey, is it man, the agent? Wanna... Is it the PR staff? I want to delete that. Kenny Moore at 9.04 p.m. last night. I still love you, Indy. I'm ride or die this way. It's only unconditional from me, but I understand it doesn't have to go both ways. Cold world love. Do you take that, Mark Dykton, as potential trade? Because I think in the brief time that was up there, that's how a lot of people yeah. reacted to it. I, I, I personally mean, don't. but I, I'm, I don't either. I mean, his name, if someone's calling for Kenny Moore, you're listening and everything, but I don't think there's anything set in stone with that. I think, I don't know, maybe he heard it from fans or something at the game. See, I think that is a response to Twitter mentions. Yeah. And with Kenny and Shaquille Leonard, that happens quite often. Mm-hmm. So I view it in that light. Having said that, would Kenny Moore be kind of an ideal trade candidate considering he has 
contract issues before the start of the season? Of course. Yeah. I mean, he would fit the bill of a guy that um, would probably kind of meet the criteria for what you were looking for. I thought Kenny has made a few more plays. There's still been some definite issues. Curtis Samuel beat him on a huge, uh, I think it was, I think it was the fourth down uh, on that like kind of corner route. Uh, Kenny did make some plays. You know, he's such a great defender when they try to run screens towards his side. Um, But he would meet the criteria for me as a guy that I would be looking into over the next, what are we at? Less than 36 hours, four o'clock tomorrow, the trade Deadline, and so and it looks like his most recent, like after he deleted that one, his most recent one after that was positive vibes only. <laughs> so maybe that's in response to that one that he was seeing the mentions and they weren't too kind to him. You just gotta, you know, watch out for the mentions. All right, let's start taking some callers. Andre is with us. Good morning, Andre. Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Good man. How are you? Doing well. Oh man, uh, another another loss. But uh, yeah, I just want to touch on uh, the fact that you know the Colts just don't have a, a, a wide receiver tight end that, that's dynamic or or uh, or veteran, you know, and it, it just shows late in games, and, you know, that's an indictment on, you know, the guy with uh, with uh, the, the degree that can get any job, so. Mm. Some more Jake Quarry smiling at that comment in Spain. <laughs> Thank you for that, Andre. Um, Mark, where have the tight ends been lately? MIA. Mo Alley Cox, 29 snaps yesterday, one target. Uh, he's played over, I think it's 116 snaps for Mo Alley Cox in the last four games. He's got one catch and two targets. Hey, now, Kylan Granson, three catches, 11 yards. That's production. Did Jelani Woods have a catch? No, he's not even on the, on the stat sheet. No. Yeah, I, I think you are missing just a reliable. You know, I mentioned this several times. Like, Jack Doyle did boring so well. Just move the. Remember the Austin Hooper catches? Oh, yeah. I, those are a little flashier last week, but just a guy that on third down is reliable and you can go to. And I feel like that is lacking. It's another wrinkle that you can add to, you know, opposing defenses. But if you're not going to utilize it, that's one less thing they got to worry about. It's like, hey, we're not. They're not using these guys anyway. We don't need to really guard them. Yeah, Ben tweeted at us a, um, a little bit earlier. He goes, "I was at the game. The whole city came out to support Sam. It's a shame the defense didn't." I was very impressed by the initial cheer for Sam Ellinger. Like, the starting offense began the game on the field, and they announced who the quarterback is, like they do every time. That cheer was one of the louder cheers I've heard inside of Lucas Oil Stadium this year. Like, I I think there was a general excitement to see him out there, and I don't know how you walk away with that with, like, any major disappointment, frankly, any disappointment at all in what Ellinger did. The fumble... A huge play. But first, first NFL start, some of those throws he made, the ability to keep some plays alive, I, I, I think you got to be really impressed by what Ellinger well, even, showed. Even his first, when he got his first completion, there was a nice roar of the crowd too, which I don't think you normally would get on a first completion of a game. But did that rival Peyton Manning's response at halftime? Oh, my gosh. That was <laughs> – it is crazy. You can, I mean, t- can you tell that man has a statue uh, out front? I was going to say, yeah, that's probably all you uh, – all you needed to know. Yeah, it was a packed house. Former Colts, Edge, Marvin. Now they didn't play the uh, they didn't play the halftime ceremonies. How was it? Uh, it was fine. Ursay dropped Bruce Springsteen like three minutes into his speech about Tarek Glenn. Uh, nothing Daniel Snyder related. Although they showed Snyder on the te- on the television broadcast, right? I don't think I saw it. I might have missed it. I mean, I, I, I thought I glanced up and saw him in like a Washington hooded sweatshirt. No, that sounds about right. I'm like, isn't it a controlled climate indoors here? Yeah. That hasn't stopped them yet. Sam, where should we go next? 
Eric? Yeah, four for Eric. Eric! That's a Billy Madison. Good morning, guys. What's up, Eric? I wanted wanted to talk about Ryan Kelly, who I think is the worst center in the National Football League. Um, If you actually watch a tape, which I like to do, watch because he quits after the initial contact two seconds into the play. So it doesn't matter if the play goes another five, six seconds and JT's fighting for yardage. He already quit. He'll make initial contact and then quit. And I get Washington has four first-round draft picks on their defensive line. Chase wasn't playing, and so they're good. But he was a first-round pick, and he sucks. I really think we lost the game because of him. And that's really odd to say for a center. And again, don't know where you stand on COVID. He appears to have COVID brain. He's missed, what, three snaps this year on the snap count? He's just awful. Yeah, Eric, I would um, – I don't think I've got a COVID brain debate uh, cooked up on this Monday morning. Um, I'll you're say cooking this. up bacon. That's all you're uh, yeah, cooking I up. I got a lot of bacon. This is sizzling, man. This looks good right now on the YouTube stream for those curious about our Halloween costumes. Uh, Ryan Kelly has not lived up to anywhere close to his contract. Um, again, I think it's been several years. I, really, you could probably point back to the contract extension, which um, I do think was right at the start of the COVID season. Um I would agree. I think he's been manhandled way too often in short yardage situations. Quentin Nelson had some issues there yesterday. And, Mark, it's twofold for me. It is breakdowns in the short yardage. And, again, the 18th overall pick, Kelly, which is an extremely high number for a center. Quentin Nelson, six overall. They both signed big deals. Um, I just think the injuries have just gotten Kelly to the point now where he, to me, is nowhere near the athletic center that maybe we saw a little bit early in his career. Not that he was some, like, incredible athlete in space. Um, and Frank Reich, I just think, lacks confidence in short yardage as well. Which, that's, that, what does that say? That, that says everything. Um, I think I mentioned it a month ago. I, I think Ryan Kelly should be benched for Danny Pinter. I asked Frank Reich that. Um, he said that's something they have not thought of. Yesterday in warm-ups, Pinter took some first-team reps. Mike Chapel and I, or Chap first observed it. I'm sitting there thinking, boy, this would be big news, and this would be good news. Like, I am – Kelly might be atop the list of trade candidates for me. Yeah, what are you getting for him, though? Yeah, I know. Thir- um, Third-day pick, probably? I mean, uh, this- of the Colts that have gotten extensions, who's actually been the best? Well, I think a couple names. First off, shout-out Zaire Franklin. Yeah. Extension in the offseason, special teamer. He's now playing every defensive snap, and he's really stepped up for you. And as much as the O-line mark has been the biggest – Disappointment. I would argue in the entire NFL for a position group based off what they're being paid, how they've performed. The flip of that, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner mm-hmm. have signed extensions and are playing at a very high level. I okay. mean, Stewart's a stud. Yeah. I've, I've, I feel like Nelson, Kelly, those guys have struggled. I mean, it's not it's not been great, but I, I see what you're saying with that. So, uh, Jason, you wanted the Colts to go for two there. I, I was kind of curious about that. That would have made mm-hmm. it, what, 17-7? Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. It's, in my opinion, that's a free and easy decision to go for two. I mean, what's the point of not going for two? You, you're up eight. You know, I, I just don't understand. So I think the thought there was stretching it to two scores, right? It was 15-7. That's still one possession game. You kick the extra point. Uh, that makes it two scores. I don't I, – I'm fine with that. I know? think it's just another – well, I mean, yeah, they, they decided not to go for it, but it's another confidence thing we just talked about. It's right confidence in the offensive line. Can we punch this in for two, or should we just go for the, the, the uh, 
chip shot and go for the extra point. Obviously, of, they went extra point. A lot of grease in my bacon. I got to stand up to let oh boy, that kind of drip that's off. That's code for something. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, I did notice, to your point, Jason, that when the Colts scored, and that was Naheem Hines, um, and again, Reich had issues yesterday. I did think he did a better job getting Hines and Campbell in space. Um, Bubba Ventrone ran over to Frank Reich right after that touchdown and looked at him and was like, hey, are we going for two or are we kicking it? So I think there was some debate, maybe more from Bubba Ventrone, um, coming over to the head coach and asking him what he wanted to do there. But you stretch it to two scores. I mean, obviously, you see what happens at the end of the game. Um, I don't have as big of an issue as maybe some others. You want to sneak one more in here before we go to break? Yeah, let's do it. Who we got? Sam, who's the, who's up next? Next up is Garrett. Garrett, happy Halloween, Garrett. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Doing, doing well. good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Big fan of the show. First time Colts season ticket holder. Um, you so picked a good would, season. Jeez. Yeah, I picked a great season to get locked into this stuff. They might expel uh, you. <laughs> maybe. Um, I I said it, you know, this week when they uh, put Elger in that, you know, they're going to keep it close, but they're not going to win a lot of games. I'd be shocked if they win another game this year. I think maybe their next one will be the Texans. But I think uh, just from sitting sitting in a stadium, you, there's a lot of people that are ready for right to go. And I think, you know, at this point, what's wrong with just cutting ties with them? And second, I really would – I would hate to see them to start selling players, especially on the defense, because their defense is pretty consistent. I mean, have they given up more than, like, 25 points this year at most? Um, so I would hate for them to start the selling uh, good defensive players for draft picks. You know, I think in all reality, I think they are – you know, they really need to, you know, get a quarterback and get a coach, and things will be a lot better. But to sell players, it would really suck. Garrett, thank you. Um, Mark, to me, Garrett was a little bit like out of both sides of his mouth with that. He wants the quarterback, but he doesn't want to sell a player or two. And again, I think so many people like read, and and I probably, I tried to re-clarify this last week because I know I confused a couple of people last week in my initial stance. When I'm saying sell, I'm not saying blow it up. Right. What you're looking for is guys that are probably in contract years, guys that aren't going to be key parts of your future. Is Stephon Gilmore going to be on this team in two to three years? No. No. Would he be an attractive piece to someone else around the league? Especially I think he a contender? Be. Yeah, probably. That's where I look at it and say, if you can move him for a draft pick, you you need to do it. I thought one of the biggest mistakes the Pacers made a few years ago was TJ Warren is announced out for the year, I think like the day before the trade deadline. And that was like the final straw of you knew that team was not going anywhere. Yet they retain Doug McDermott. They retain Justin Holiday. Two guys that scream like you move them at the deadline. A contending team would love to add a shooter off the bench. That's where I kind of look at the Colts right now. You got a 14% chance to make the playoffs. You've got two straight on the road now. Then the Eagles come into your building. You at least have got to listen and entertain. Again, a piece or two. I'm not saying trade away Buckner or trade away Grover Stewart right. or you know whoever you want to label in as like young defender talent. But yeah, you're not taking any. You're not taking you know pennies on the dollar for these guys. But if there's a reasonable offer, and you're not you're like Gilmore, he's not going to be around for a few years. So don't sit on your assets. Move them if you have to. I mean, uh, well, if you get a solid offer. Take it. Right. Find desperate. They are desperate teams right now. They're teams that believe that they are now a winner or a uh, contender, and they maybe weren't that a month ago. They weren't that at the start of the season. Uh, see if you can find desperate and potentially 
uh, benefit down the road. We'll continue to take calls. Uh, we'll do our GOAT of the week coming up around 8.30. Our fan tweets of um, from yesterday coming up at 8 no, 9 o'clock for that one. Uh, Jeff Saturday going to join us a little bit later. Happy Halloween. Quick rundown on costumes. Sizzling bacon here for Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton. Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. Sam Fritz. A, a Dan Flash's model. It's 150 out the door, isn't it? No, 450 out the door. Oh. It's because the patterns are so complicated. Patterns are so complicated. The crisscross and overlap. I just look at that shirt and feel like I'm like hungover just staring at it right there. You can check out these costumes, by the way, on our YouTube stream. I should probably sit back down, though, so I can get back in the camera shot. Uh, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Younger out of the gun, motions Moali Cox to the right side, two receivers left, he looks that way, deep drop, going to take a shot deep downfield, looking for Alec Pierce, and Pierce, he's got it! Kick is up, and it is good, but the Colts take the lead. They take the lead, but not by the margin that they wanted. We didn't get in on a third and goal, it seemed like the percentage play, I think the charts were, you know, pretty even. Colts sweep it left side, Jets with the Naeem Hines, he's in there! He walks his in from six yards away, touchdown, Naeem Hines! Shotgun snap for Heineke, dancing in the pocket again. Finds all kinds of time, he sets up, he launches downfield at the five-yard line, broken up by the Colts, and it is a catch! Oh, what a catch! Terry McLaurin fights the football away from Stephon Gilmore. Heineke under center. Robinson is the back. And oh, it's Heineke taking a shot. Make that on a quarterback plunge. He dives across the end zone. He gave and it touchdown. to him, Matt. They gave it to him. Yes. It's a quarterback keeper for Taylor Heineke. Obviously unfortunate. I thought as an offense, we had a lot of opportunities. We just shot ourselves in the foot. Sam Ellinger right there. 17-23 for Ellinger in his starting debut, 201 yards. Um, he had 15 rushing yards, and a he did have a big fumble, but I thought all in all, Mark, I think I'd be pretty pleased with what Ellinger gave you. Um, I thought he gave you a threat with his legs. I didn't think there were massive timing communication issues with him. You kind of expect that out of a guy in his first start. Um, and more than anything, his response from the fumble was impressive to me. And then the biggest question I had entering yesterday was, would we see physical limitations when he tries to get the ball down the field? I thought he attempted balls down the field, which is important because I think that's been lacking from the quarterback position too often this year. And whether it was the touch ball to Hines, the ball to Pierce, I mean, hell, the ball to Pittman that was right on target that Pittman dropped, those couple of Sunday throws – uh, that stands out to me the most about Ellinger yesterday. I didn't see too many balls that were off target. I didn't see too many balls that were overthrown or underthrown. I thought he was very spot on when he did decide to throw the ball down the field. I'm impressed with his first start. I thought they did. They used him well. They used his legs. That was nice to see. Now build off that. Get some more chemistry with your tight ends, wide receivers. Actually use the tight ends. That would be nice. Right. But, I think get him out of the pocket a little bit more. I, I think that's where he's at his best. When you, There's kind of a little yeah. bit, bit of a... Backyard football feel, and now it'll be <clears throat> now it'll be interesting because now you go on the road, which is always interesting. It's always a different dynamic, right. and then you're going to a place where the Colts have never usually fared too well, and mm-hmm. that's uh, Gillette Stadium in uh, in New England. Yeah, what's the stat on like rookie or first year starting quarterbacks against Belichick, Justin Fields? I know Justin Fields broke the mold that, there. But yeah, but typically then, that does not go well. So. I think they had won like forty two. He's something like. 42-0 and 0 or something like that, something crazy. So I think the Colts are already opening up as, like, 
seven-point underdogs at the moment. There was a, uh, a series early on. I think it actually was the first Colts scoring drive, that field goal by McLaughlin early in the second quarter, where, again, it was Ellinger's legs that sparked it. He had like a third and four. I believe it was uh, um, he kind of slid to the left and made a play to Pittman. And then the very next play, he feels the rush coming off the edge, steps up in the pocket, finds Pittman over the middle. It's just those kind of subtleties that even if it doesn't show up in the box score as like a pure scramble or um, you know a designed run, his ability to kind of extend a little bit, create a different play, um, I think was very welcome, especially for this offense right now because when they line up and try to play normal offense, frankly, they stink. He adds wrinkles, which is what you want when you yes. are facing opposing defenses. You want to add as many wrinkles as possible. I would agree. Um, all right, let's get back to the phone lines. Let's begin with Aaron. Aaron wanted to talk about Frank Reich. What's up, Aaron? Hey, good morning, fellas. Hey, I got a parable for you guys, uh, a statement, see what you think of it. Frank, usually when the uh, defense is playing well enough to win and your offense is playing well not to win, Usually the scapegoat is offensive coordinator. Well, who's calling the plays? I heard you guys talking about the tight ends earlier. They're not calling their own plays. Frank is, and he should be the one that goes. And since this is uh, Halloween and everything, I'm not saying stop, but if you're in Frank Wright's neighborhood and he accepts Halloween uh, wishes, I would love for a woman to go as a pink slip, you know, as Nancy Sinatra in a pink dress and saying this, Frank, you're, you're sad at coaching. Now you know what you must do. Oh, the end of the keep it going, Aaron. Approaching. The end of the season is approaching. Your days as coach is almost through. Wow. Look at that, Aaron. 808 on this Monday morning. That was beautiful tones. Great pitch. That's the first show you're right. That's the first caller I think we've had sing to I, us. I was going to say, I feel like I'm listening to Mike Wells and JMV on a Friday oh, afternoon. Boy. Actually, I mean, let's be honest, I was a thousand times better than what Wells is. It sounds like Wells is going through puberty when his voice is cracking during those. That was very nice by Aaron. I was a little nervous where he was going with that. It sounded like he, I wonder if he, that sounded like he wrote those lyrics down. Too, so he put some thought into those. 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's you don't find many musicians that write their own lyrics. Aaron is one of them. I brought a tear to my eye how beautiful that was. I said this earlier. Um, if I'm Jim Mercer right now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, my head coach is leading a football team that has not had a lead at halftime since Christmas. Uh, that's got to be a reflection on uh, urgency, starts, ready out of the locker room, et cetera, scripted portion of the game, all those things. And then if you want to go the play caller label, which is where Aaron went, You've got an offense that, again, has scored over 20 points one time since Christmas. Like, those to me, head coach, play caller offensively, it's glaring. It is glaring. I know a lot of people are curious about the Jim Irsay comments before the game yesterday. I'm sure you saw him get a hold of Chris Mortensen and Ian Rappaport Mm -hmm. with those. To summarize, I think the reports are pretty much that uh, Reich and Ballard are safe. A couple thoughts. Um, To be safe on October 30th and be safe on January 13th is probably a little different. And I think that was simply Jim Irsay and the people around him trying to control the message and trying to quiet a fire of the owner meddled last week. Yeah. Like, I I, I put little to no stock into those reports. Mortensen's Irsay's boy. Um, clearly, he dialed him up and wanted to get that message out there. Uh, but I think they just realized there's 10 games left. This is going to be a very difficult 
two and a half months, can we try and control the message in some way, shape, or form? Yeah. How how pissed do you think Ursay is about yesterday? Oh, I mean, Daniel Snyder. Oh yeah. Two score lead in the fourth quarter in your own building. Mm-hmm. All your greats. How much he adores that previous era. Gotta wonder what they were thinking watching that game. Like, man, this doesn't look anything like what we played. Manning just nodding, nodding to sleep in the. Maybe he did his own Manning cast on the sideline. <laughs> Can you? Imagine? Now what you do here? I wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, I I think the Ursay thing. I mean, he's he's just saying he's not going to set a precedent in season. I mean, it, like you said, it all matters on what happens in January. It's not going to matter what happens in October. And I guess we did have the caller earlier uh, mention like making a move in season, what route you would go. Again, I do not expect that. I'm not a huge fan of firings in season. If you were to do that, I would promote Bubba Ventrone. Not a bad option. I don't see it happening. I don't though. need to see John Fox as the interim head coach. Well, you know, uh, we got. Sam Ellinger. That's my John Fox That's impression. a really good John Fox impression. Uh, 1 to 10, Mark. Where would you throw it for Sam Ellinger on his performance? 1 to 10? Uh-huh. 7. I think I think he didn't show out, but he also didn't he didn't make any he didn't make any decisions where you're like what the hell was that that we were so used to seeing in, you know, the first 7 weeks of the season where you're like what is going on here? This offense looks broken. I thought he moved the ball, ball well. He did what they asked him to do and they actually utilized his legs, which was nice to see. So, seven, I would say. Where, where do you stand? Yeah, you know, I felt with Ellinger he can be a high-end backup in this league. You know, come in as a spot starter and play decent enough football to give you an opportunity. And I think we saw that yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, I might – I had seven and a half, eight. Um, the fumble was bad. And, I mean, it was just him losing it. You know, yeah. he wasn't even hit on that play. Drew mentioned this earlier, and I thought this was kind of a good way to describe it. A quarterback's first start should elicit similar uh, expectations to summer ball in the NBA. doesn't tell you if he can play, but it can certainly tell you if he can't. Coaches will get film, and Ellinger will struggle more as we go. He didn't prove he couldn't play, though. That might be a tad harsh for me. I mean, it's not summer league competition. I mean, he was yeah, playing, playing against, against a legit defense. NFL defense. So, um, But I do agree with, like, if it was deer in headlights – You'd be really, really worried. I don't think we saw deer in headlights yesterday. Yeah. No, you weren't like you weren't like. Oh boy, these next ten games are going to be rough. I, I don't think the moment ever got too big for him, which is something you want to see. You, you didn't want to see him overwhelmed by any. I don't think he looked overwhelmed at any point in the game. Let's go to Dave. Dave, Dave happy up, Halloween, man. man. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Halloween, yeah, brother. Care. You too. Hey, I don't care who you have at quarterback. I think as long as Frank Reich. Calling the plays, the Colts are going to be boring. Yeah, I think there's um, there's a lot of reason to be behind that. I have probably been one that's a little bit more of a let's acknowledge the Colts scored at a pretty high level in previous years. That there's no defending them right now from an offensive Frank Reich standpoint. It's it's historically bad, um, and that's the decision I think Jim Mercy's got to make at the end of the year, Marcus. You are going to have to make. I would argue, I'd argue the most important decision this franchise has had in decades. Peyton Manning was, I mean, that was kind of obvious, right? I mean, what, what, was there really a huge debate with him and Ryan Leaf? I don't know. Maybe there was. But yeah, the number one overall pick. Andrew Luck, same thing. Number one overall pick. You don't have that now. So you've got to find that QB. And what Ursay has got to ask himself is, does he want Chris Boward and Frank Reich making that decision? And who does he want coaching that guy? And do you trust Chris Bauer to make that decision to hire the next head coach? Because usually a GM gets more than one head coach to pick. Usually you don't just fire. Really? 
I, I I, I'd say so. I, I mean, I'm, I think it's on occasion it doesn't work out, but usually a GM gets a second crack at it. You don't usually pull the plug, especially when they're tenured as long as Ballard has been so far. I could be wrong. I, I, I think that if if there are hot seats going, I think Frank Reich is on the hot seat, and I can see Ballard, you know, making another return. Because very rarely, I think, do you see a head uh, GM only get one crack at a head coach, especially when it was like your third choice. He's kind of put behind the eight ball originally. Yeah, and then you get in the debate of like, should we blame Ballard for McDaniel's? Yeah, I mean, does that need to be on the con list? Doing your homework, doing your due diligence, doing your homework, and then. Boy, Mark, my Super Bowl pick looks great right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure does. Dylan from Texas is joining us. What's up, Dylan? Well, if you're saying Billy, that's me. Oh, Billy, sorry. <laughs> Billy, Dylan. It's Halloween. You can be whatever you want today. That's all right, man. I'm calling you from Texas. Uh, long-time co-fan. I've talked to Dockage some. I talked to – and I'm on – I call it post-game some, but I was so pissed off yesterday I didn't want to call in. Um, my problem is I think we have a head coach that's as soft as our offensive line. I've been saying all year that our offensive line is just it's terrible. The best offensive lineman we got is Dennis Kelly. He blocks. The rest of them, they don't block. You know, I watched Dallas. I've watched several of these offensive lines that open holes up. We got one of the best backs in the league. And honestly, that's why that's why uh, our, uh, our quarter, original quarterback, Matt Ryan, that's why he's hurt. He's taking a lot of shots. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to finish the season with Wright. But but that that's a good thing in a way because if he's saying that now, that may change. What I, I know the dream thing I would like to see us do is I would like to see us put Manning as general manager and bring Sean Payton in as our head coach. I don't think that's going to work. Boy, I think that's two big, big egos. Seems like uh, pie in the, the sky right there. Billy, did you watch Sam Ellinger in college? Oh yeah, I see. I watched. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him some. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm an old Miss fan. I'm. A, I'm not a big Texas fan. But yes, I saw him play. To me, I don't know why you want to go. I don't know why you want to go draft a quarterback. I thought Ellinger, play, Ellinger played really well yesterday. Why? Why do we have to draft one? When we got one, yeah. But the I, thing is, but, but the thing is, guys, it don't make any difference if your line can't block. When we get stuffed every, I knew yesterday when we got to the three yard line that we ain't going in. I was really kind of hoping he would bootleg and throw to the tight end, but that wasn't even a thought process. God. And I'm really getting tired of hearing Reich say we have to look at the film. My God, you're in the eight, eighth week of the season. How many times have you got to watch the film? And see your offensive lineman get see your offensive lineman get beat on a one on one block. Billy, thank you, my man. I appreciate the call. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, bootleg, boy, that sure would have come in handy. Hell, just a sneak at that point in the goal line. Um, as far as the Ellinger, nothing I saw from Ellinger yesterday should take quarterback off the board, and it's one right. start. Like th- that conversation we can have again at Thanksgiving, Christmas, etc. Yeah, let's not let, let's pump the brakes on what Sam Ellinger showed yesterday means quarterback should not be on the board come draft time. Yeah, I mean you really have to see a lot in the next 9 games for me to change my stance that quarterback is off the table come draft time in April. But I mean it was a nice start. It's not something that says he's a franchise quarterback moving forward if only this offensive line got right. I think even if the offensive line was right, I'd still be saying, "Hey, you need to look at quarterback long term." I don't know if he's a long-term answer. He could be a solid backup option. I'm not taking quarterback off the board though.
Mark, it was one of those two ends of the spectrum yesterday for Paris Campbell and Tyquan Lewis. Both Ohio State guys, both off injured in their career. Yesterday from Campbell, I thought for the I thought it was the most it was the first game of Campbell's career that I walked away from thinking that is exactly why you drafted him. You think about the big plays he had yesterday. He drew the big pass interference. He took a screen for 30-some yards. He took a jet sweep for 28 yards. Mm-hmm. When you drafted Campbell, my thinking was high percentage touches, so just quick handoffs, quick screens, you know, jet sweep, et cetera, and then he goes and makes the play because he's got these very rare athletic traits, fastest 40 of any wide out the combine a few years ago. And I was worried that hit that Harrison Smith had against him a few years ago, the devastating knee injury, did that just take away his athleticism from a – 11, his speed athleticism, to like an 8. And now he just doesn't have those plays in him. He showed me something yesterday that wasn't necessarily the possession guy we saw in the previous weeks. It was more of a, here's a big play. And for an offense right now that can't do much of anything in sustaining drives and finishing drives, you're going to need more of that. So yesterday from Campbell, outstanding. Sadly, on the flip side, Tyquan Lewis. (sighs) Yeah, rough. You know what I thought of, Mark? Last year on Halloween, patella injury, Mm -hmm. season over on that interception, uh, fluke, non-contact. Yesterday, it wasn't necessarily non-contact, but he's just pass rushing upfield. Looks awkward. He immediately motions over to the bench, gets carted off. For a defense right now that is missing Pay. Dio Adangbo has not taken the strides that you would like to see, and it's still early in Dio's career. Lewis is a key guy for you. And if you're going to lose him for a long stretch, that's really disappointing. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a little more clarification on Taekwon Lewis's status later today. Paris Campbell, though, I agree. You saw the last couple games now why the Colts didn't quit on him when a lot of other players like people are like, get rid of him, he's injury prone, he's not doing anything. You see why they kept him around because you see the potential that he has. I'm not saying he's a Debo Samuel, but he could be like a Debo Samuel Jr., like oh, a gadget oh. guy, get him in space. I'm not saying use him, you know, to the point that would cut off a pinky for Debo oh, Samuel Jr. Oh, I would too, right of now. course. Okay, give him a, a lesser-known title. Was like what, what we went through the lineage of that, whatever that would be. But he could be like he could see be something like that, where yeah. you get him yeah. in space, let him make his plays with the right. speed that he has, and break the tackles and all that stuff. So yeah, you'd kill for a Debo Samuel. But if you can get a version of him that's what Paris Campbell can give you. You take that all day, especially on an offense that struggles to get really anything going, gets off the slow starts. Get some dynamics going. Um, John says this. Ellinger was fine yesterday. John sums this up very well. He'll get better, but is he special? Question mark. Elite? Question mark. He's Jack Trudeau. If we can get elite in the draft, you get elite. Th- that last sentence. Yep. You got to go find elite. What can't you teach? If you can find that, you do that. Um, You want to go with number one here? Kendrick. Kendrick, you want to blow it up? Yes, please blow it up. Uh, define blowing it up. Uh, move what we need to move to start drafting to get uh, a franchise QB and build a, a sound foundation for the Colts. I think Colts fans. I think Colts fans have been delusional since Philip Rivers left. We were never one quarterback away. Looking at the quarterbacks in the AFC, if everyone was think those guys didn't come out of the gate playing well. They grew and became better. So we have to give a new quarterback or even Ellinger time to grow and become better. I think 
I nailed that. Hit the hammer on the head. Yeah, right I, I think Kendrick sums it up pretty well. Um, and I am realistic about what to expect tomorrow. If you were asking me right now, Kevin Bowen, what would you say are the odds the Colts make a trade tomorrow? I, I'd put it at like 15 to 20%. I mean, the franchise has historically, and again, NFL franchises usually don't do much around the trade deadline, but I would look into it heavily. Yeah, I, I mean, again, their track record speaks says that they will not make a trade. We would like to see them do that, but we also don't want them to see them, you know, take too many drastic trades and blow the whole thing up. You want to make like Kenny Moore, guy Ryan Kelly, if you're listening to, you're listening to offers for everybody that's available, but you know, it doesn't mean you have to make those moves. So I think we're hoping for a move. I don't think we're anticipating a move though. Uh, Alex wanted to know when we will hear from Chris Ballard. Um It's a great question. I would guess not anytime soon basically how Ballard usually handles media availability in season is um he will make appearances on Colts Roundtable Live which tonight you can hear at I believe six o'clock on the these airwaves uh yeah he usually goes on with Matt Taylor every four weeks every quarter so this would be the midway point right you would think eight games into it we did not hear from him four weeks in um yeah I mean that's a Pretty controlled climate. If I were Ballard, I would think I could control the questions being asked, but um, I'll not hold my breath. Control what you can control. Yeah, I, I, we haven't seen him yet, so I would I would not hold my breath for that one either. We'll continue to take your calls. Jeff Saturday going to join us here in about an hour. Again, at KBowen1070 on Twitter, at MarkD1075. Uh, let's hit a morning check down. <laughs> Happy Halloween out there. Uh, Pacers get back on the court tonight. That was so good. They had a solid, solid weekend. Beat the Washington Wizards. They topped the Brooklyn Nets in stunning fashion, 125 to 116. Am I back on track for 30? I mean, you're looking good so far. 27 to go. 27 to go. So we'll see what happens there. Benedict Mather and the statue is, has been re- mm-hmm. the, the The building is still going on. 32 points on Saturday night. Uh, Ty- Ty- Tyrese Halliburton also looked pretty good, 26 points as well, but he healed 17. Pacers get on the court against the Brooklyn Nets at Brooklyn once again. That is at a 7.30 tip. It's on NBA TV, so uh, if you don't have Bally Sports, well, that was weird. Kevin's mic just Did broke. Did the mic just fall? I feel like now I'm holding it like Eminem and yeah, you 8 Mile drop, here. You drop some bars real quick? Yeah. Boy, this is going to be a multitask. Well, that is a to, Halloween uh, occurrence right there. To, to get us to the break. Uh, I think one thing to note, Mark, about Saturday night, no Miles Turner, no Aaron Neesmith, no TJ McConnell. No problem. I mean, you were down three of your top six or seven. So as you said, the Nets tonight, nothing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the Heat on Friday. So again, if you have NBA TV, it says 730 NBA TV. So there's a uh, national, another national game for you. Uh, things to note yesterday around the NFL, all the division leaders won. How about that Falcons-Panthers finish? That was a wild one. That was a high-scoring affair. 37-34 Falcons get the win in overtime there. Tennessee Titans stay atop the AFC South. They moved to 5-2 and two as they beat the Texans 17-10. 49ers, just, they have the Rams number big time. 31-14. to Christian McCaffrey, man. Just dominant, doing it all there. Bills stay sharp, 27-17 over the Packers. Eagles all over the Steelers, 35-13. We'll round out week eight tonight in the Battle of Ohio as the Bengals take on the Browns kickoff at 8-15.
All right, looking back on the Colts yesterday. Again, Sam Ellinger's starting debut, 17 of 23 for him. No touchdowns, no picks. Did have a big fumble. Uh, certainly made some plays with his legs. Here was Ellinger after the game yesterday on his first starting opportunity. I'm unbelievably grateful uh, for this opportunity and uh, the things that have happened in my life. Um, I think that it's an unbelievable experience, opportunity, and I'm very thankful. I think that I, I haven't really taken a moment to you know, take it all in because I'm so focused on getting better um, and doing what I can to help this team be successful on a daily basis. Um, but, I mean, I'm humbled and, and very grateful. He's easy to root for, Mark. Very easy to root easy. for. Yep. I think fans felt that yesterday. And uh, albeit they were pretty boring on the scoreboard, <laughs> I thought it was – maybe it was different. So it didn't look as boring, but I thought it was slightly more entertaining watching Ellinger operate that offense than Matt Ryan. Slightly more entertaining is what we're striving for on oh, our gosh, show every day. I know. And that's such a – that's just a sad compliment, Are the Colts the most boring team in the NFL? I mean, I know we're, we're very close Ooh, to the boy. situation. But are they the most boring watch at the moment? What about Houston? Houston's not not too great either. And Jacksonville, I don't know what's going on with them. Do you think I broke this mic? I don't know what you did. Maybe the bacon's getting a little too hot. I know. Yeah. We, we got a grease issue right now. Um. All right, coming up, Jeff Saturday here in about an hour. We'll also give out our goat of the week, good and bad, over the weekend. weekend read some fan tweets as well. Jake Quarry's in Europe right now. Florence, is that where he's moved to? That's what he said. I don't know. I was trying to keep keep track of him on Twitter and he was showing pictures of nice looking buildings next to like cannabis stores and Taco Bells so oh, there you go nothing says Europe like cannabis and Taco Bell yeah man. Uh, he'll that's be a back. smart move by that cannabis store by the way extremely setting smart, up shop yeah. right next to Taco Bell that's genius you're rolling in dough right now stay open after midnight I think would be the key there um, when's he back is it Thursday I think Thursday so it'll be myself Kevin Bowen Mark Dykton and Sam Fritz leading you into uh, the month of November. We'll continue to take your calls coming up next here. Happy Halloween on a, a bit of an overcast start to the last day of October. Who is the GOAT? That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here with me! That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT. <laughs> this guy sucks. Of the week. All right, Mark Dykton, feel free to lead off. Uh, it is time for our GOAT of the week, good and bad. And you're going to go with the good GOAT, all caps, I'm going right? to go double dip and go good. I'm going to first stick with uh, locally. Terry McLaurin makes his return oh, to Indianapolis. Six catches, 113 yards. Most critical catch over Stephon Gilmore at the one-yard line. Set up the Taylor Heineke uh, go-ahead score there. Gave out like 70 tickets ahead of the game. It was a... It was a very good performance from him. I think he was also shouting, this is my Blanken City. I was going to say, I believe he was saying that. Yep. And honestly, like, how cool is that for him? Pretty awesome. I mean, if he would, the only thing that would have topped it is if that catch would have ended up in the end zone. His dad sat in Section 540, I think it was, growing up. Marvin Harrison in the building, his favorite Colt, dressed up as him for Halloween a few years. Yeah, that was, um, boy, that was a hell of a play by yeah. him. And then my other one, I know I'm a Bears fan. We don't have too much good luck with quarterbacks. Justin Fields looks legit. Oh, I know the Bear. The Bears lost to the Cowboys. The that was more of a defensive issue. The Cow, the Bears. I did defense, not see you going there. The Bears defense stunk yesterday, big time. Stunk is uh, being nice. Justin Fields though, just making plays with his feet, making throws downfield. He's got me excited. 
as a Bears fan. We've never had this before. I, I'm excited to see what Justin Fields brings to the table. I feel like he adds a whole different element. He's right up there with Lamar Jackson as far as elusiveness and speed. Uh, Justin Fields has me all tingly in a place that I've never been tingled before as Jeez. quarterback. What? Boy, I think I'm gonna have to Why do don't you stop breaking equipment over there for one second? Do the final 90 minutes of the show from the other studio. Maybe remote for the next few oh, days hell. here for Kevin Bowen as he heads up to HR here in a few minutes. Um, My goat, and that was so this would be the reverse. Um, I don't know what the hell happened with Bally Sports on Saturday night. Two minutes ago in the third quarter of the Pacer game, uh, I would say the most exciting Pacer game of the season. Your young star is going off for 32 points. And all of a sudden, nothing on the TV for eight straight minutes. Like, Mark, there have been multiple, multiple times where Valley Sports has had issues. So was it just eight minutes of just a black screen, or was it like technical difficulties? All commercials. Then they went with the Yes Network feed for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. So finally got it back on. And then Chris and Quinn eventually came on to end the game. Um, You're going to have this partnership? You're going to ask people to pay a very steep price for a streaming service, and, that's and you continue to have issues? Like, I, I'm going to read off some of these fan tweets, Mark, from people. Jeff, the quality of the broadcast has been crap from the beginning. Screen freeze, picture sound out of sync, blaring commercials. That's why I refuse to pay $20 for their app. Pacers, thanks for screwing the fans who only have this option. Tim, dear Pacers, time to do something about Bally. Their incompetence and price gouging is costing fans. The young core is fun and more people need to see it. Cut ties to the people who literally are incapable of showing the game. Uh, this one from David. I have months worth worth of DMs from Bally. They either tell me there's nothing they can do and it's my cable per- provider's fault or they repeatedly ask what platform I watch on. Pathetic service and embarrassing that the Pacers partner with them. So you think they should extend that one-week trial, maybe make it like a month-long thing or something like that at this point? Maybe don't charge 20 bucks. Hey Mark, you know, we unfortunately have had some streaming issues here um, over the past couple of weeks. We're not asking people to pay $20 per month for the product. No. Thank God. Like, it, it, oh, it's just pathetic. And again, I couldn't agree more with it. This is an exciting time to watch. You're trying to build new rapport with your fan base. You're trying to connect with potentially new fans. All those things. Uh, just a massive issue there on Saturday night. Uh, in the game in uh, in Brooklyn. It doesn't seem to be a quick fix either. Because, I mean, if you're just getting DMs like, hey, sorry about you or whatever, like, I mean, that's not ideal. Especially again, when you just is... locked up another long-term deal with them. I was um, chatting with Aaron. He's a pretty loyal listener of ours from Minnesota. He was in town for the Colts game. He, staying at a downtown hotel, could not believe that the downtown hotel did not have Bally. Like, think about it. Your local NBA team cannot be seen at a downtown hotel. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a very specific cable package in order to pick it up in the first place. Like, shouldn't like, you be heading to all the bars and hotels around and say, okay, for people that are in town, um, for anything, we want them to be able to view the NBA product. You would in think. Town. You would think. Yeah, you're one of the very few that still has the you haven't cut the cord, but you also are one of the very few that actually gets the Bally Sports channel itself. Yeah, Uverse action. Yeah. I mean I had Uverse for a while and then we cut the cord and went to YouTube TV, so I do not have Bally Sports, and uh seems like most people who are even subscribing don't have Bally Sports. Randy, about to be on my second season of watching nearly zero Pacers games, and those games I did watch were, some, were from sketchy streams. I'll never pay a bleeping app 20 a month to watch the Pacers play. Out of sight, out of mind. I'll just keep watching the highlights and checking the box score. 
I mean, that's the that's the sentiment from a lot of a lot of fans is they're not willing to pony up even more when they're asking to sign up for multiple streaming services here. There's Netflix, there's HBO Max, there's Hulu. Oh wait, and now pay twenty dollars premium more than all those other ones for for Pacers games. So, yeah, I hear the sentiment, I hear the complaints. It's an unfortunate situation they're in, and hopefully Bally can figure it out. But their availability is just not there for for most fans. I just think from a business standpoint, wouldn't it make the most sense for any team to be on a channel or allow yourself to be viewed by the most amount of people possible? For instance, and I'm going to date myself to an era that I don't even that I didn't even exist in. I have a rabbit ear antenna on my television, and I can watch the World Series on Fox, but I can't catch the Pacers. That's you know, correct. Wouldn't wouldn't partnering with just any of the local TV affiliates be the smartest idea from a even from a monetizing standpoint, right. I'm saying streaming service is more direct as far as getting money, but still. I think eyes are more important than the amount of dollars. And I know that if I was probably inside that building and all I cared about was business, business, and money, 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 maybe I think differently. But right but, now, it's such a critical time for your franchise. That, eyes eyes equal dollars even on sure. network television, right? Like, that's going to get you more advertising revenue. And this is not just a Pacers issue. I should probably clarify that. I mean, Bally is the universal streaming option for a lot of NBA teams, but... Uh, to continue to have these issues is just um, inexcusable. Uh, your thoughts, Mark, yesterday on Shaquille Leonard. Uh, pitch count right around 20 snaps, had the interception in the fourth quarter. I thought you kind of got the full Leonard experience. Certainly had some struggles in the run game. Um, got the interception. Right. Took some poor angles on a few plays in space. Did come up with a huge, huge idea. It was a mixed bag, uh, which is kind of what I expected, given that he's missed so much of the season already and everything. So, he was fine. You saw some Shaq Leonard flashes, but then, you know, you saw some, like you said, mixed bags. So it is what it is. Again, don't be expecting all pro Shaq Leonard to show up this season. That's that's my assumption that just he's dealing with injuries. Let's just try to get him back to even 80%, and that would be considered a win this season. But let's let's put any pro bowl or all pro talk out the, to the, off to the side. Very curious to see what they do at linebacker moving forward. Zaire Franklin is, look good. Zaire Franklin's turned into a guy that can't come off the field. EJ Speed... Played eight snaps yesterday. I feel like that's got to be more. Definitely has to be um, more. Okereke's playing time scaled back. That position is like a log jam. That's one of those, Mark, that I would be thinking about over the next 24, 36 hours mm-hmm. of Okereke in a contract year, Speed in a contract year, Leonard's situation. That's Now, which of those guys would you like to keep and which would you be willing to move of that group? I mean, financially, just with what Leonard makes, you would... That that one stands out to me. Granted, the turnovers have been such an issue. Um, if you think to yourself you can't re-sign both Bobby and EJ Speed, I would move one of them. It'll be interesting. Again, both in contract years. You've already invested a lot of money at linebacker. Uh, that's a position group that I think is one of the ones, Mark, that you have quality depth at, and you only play two, maybe three linebackers in a game. you got to be looking into that. Uh, Paul joins us on this Halloween morning. What's up, Paul? What's up, dude? And what's up, Kevin? How you doing? Good, man. <laughs> did you call me Derek uh, again? I, I almost did, oh, yes. Man. I, I said Derek. <laughs> Paul, I'm not going to wish bad, bad weather on you because you're out doing the Lord's work, but come on now. Well, I stay in my truck, so it's all good. <laughs> Anyways, man, when, when, when the coach got down to that goal line on third and goal, from the one-yard line, why did it seem like I was watching IU football? Let's run out of the shotgun and run it right up the middle. And so many times yesterday, I saw Jonathan Taylor going up the middle. 
I don't understand why Frank doesn't give him the ball on the edge. You watch Seattle, they know what they have in Kenneth Walker. They get him on the edge and let him use his speed. Frank doesn't do that with Jonathan Taylor this year, and I don't understand why. Our problem is we've been behind in the third quarter every game this year, and the problem is Frank. Frank has to stop calling these plays unless he says everything is, is everybody's evaluated every week. Well, Frank's not evaluating himself because if he was, he wouldn't be calling these plays. And I'm sick and tired of watching the same thing happen week after week after week and expecting different results. This has to change. And if it doesn't change, Frank has to go before the season is over because he's doing the same thing and we're not getting any results that are different. Another thing is, I'm, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed in the way Ellinger played yesterday. Ellinger played pretty good for us to win. Um, I will say the play calling cost us, and everybody's going to jump on uh, uh, number five of uh, Gilmore for that for that catch over McLaren. But he was in position. McLaren just wanted it more. Um, I will say let's let's try to change it up as far as Frank calling the plays. I know that he wants to because he wants his fingerprints on this team, but Frank's, Frank's fingerprints are damaging this team. So let's let's switch it up with Marcus Brady and see what we have from there going forward. Paul, as always, thank you. Safe travels on the mail routes. Um, yeah, short yardage, Mark. I, I just I didn't understand Frank's rationale in the hesitancy with the QB sneak with Ellinger. Yeah. You can't say you didn't practice. I mean, QB sneak is one of the easiest plays to call in the NFL. It's everybody pushed forward. And the forward. success rate is just absurd. And put, you know, Mo Ali Cox at fullback, put, you know, Taylor at running back, and just push Ellinger if he gets stuck. Like, I mean, I know Sam Ellinger made his first NFL start, but you think if Frank said, hey, quarterback sneak, Sam Ellinger been like, wait, what? What do you mean? What do I do? Ellinger is one of the more instinctual football players on your roster. Yeah. I think he could handle it. And, and that's. That is one part of the problem, Mark. The other part really doesn't have anything to do with Reich's play calling. It is the fact that Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly are not even sniffing the amount of money that you're paying them in terms of quality play. No. And they are getting beat way too often. If you look at the third and um the was it a third and three where Taylor got stuffed? Or was yeah. it even I think it's third and yeah. Oh, it was a third and goal from the one, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um and it got pushed back to the two. That's before they settled for the 20-yarder. Yeah, that was the field goal to start the fourth quarter. Nelson literally like falls to the ground at the start of that play. Yeah. Blown up. He's getting right manhandled away. like we've never seen before. Like uh, Quentin Nelson was always the rough and tough guy, like the guy that was going to go till the whistle, and he's just getting manhandled on a regular basis. And you see Jonathan Taylor go up the middle, which is what he should do when you have Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson in front of you. And I mean, they're just getting smoked on a play in and play out basis. So there's just no there's no push. Jonathan Taylor is obviously being affected by this. He's just not looked himself. But the offensive line play, specifically from those two, has just been atrocious this year. Jimmy, you thought a penalty for Terry McLaurin should have been called late? Hello? Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't he get flagged for that uh, taking his helmet off like the guy in the Carolina game did? Yeah, so I think the difference, and I could be wrong on this because obviously I wasn't locked into the Carolina game. If I'm not mistaken – McLaurin took off his helmet once they called timeout. So I think the situation was dead, whereas DJ Moore, it was never a timeout after after the Carolina touchdown there. I I could be wrong on that, but I was thinking the same thing there. Um, But that is my guess on it. Yeah, I pulled pulled up the rule, and it said anytime you're in the play of field, 
that you cannot remove it because there are so many moving parts still happening. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, timeouts. You can obviously take it off just because you're, you know, you're 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 getting water and and whatnot. But um, God, that was a hell of a play. Hell of a play. And credit to their kicker for making the extra point, right? Carolina yeah, game. Pressure's on. Carolina was Eddie Pinheiro missing the 32-yarder. Mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota and the Falcons are leading the NFC South. Just like we all drew it up. So they would be hosting who if the playoffs started today? Oh, my God. Who's the five seed? Let's look that up. Cowboys? Is it? Right? Eagles are leading the division. Cowboys at Falcons to start the playoffs? See what we're looking at here. If the playoffs started today, yes, the Falcons would host the fifth seed Cowboys. Rosie's a ballerina today for Halloween. What are the uh, what, what are your girls, Mark? Addison is Princess Peach from Super Mario Brothers. She's been wanting to be Princess Peach for like love five months. Uh, I was Peach in Mario Kart all the time. Emma wants to be is a witch. She has the witch laugh down. She's been doing the witch laugh since July 4th, so she's got that. And then Nora is part of uh, my wife's costume, where uh, Ashley is a Costco-like sample person. Oh, and boy. We put, we, I want to come put, to your we, house. We caught a... Um, we, they have, like, the big boxes of cereal that you can get, like the double bags or whatever. So we cut two holes in it, and Nora, the one-year-old, is going to be the sample box. Oh, my gosh. That is genius. You guys what are a, creative. Yeah, we try to. What about what about you guys? Uh, so Maddie and I went to a party on Friday. We were hippies. Um, and then again, I'll rock this bacon costume tonight. Rosie Ballerina, Max, Maddie just sent me Max is in a little Hall of Fame or a Hall of Fame, a uh, little uh, Halloween outfit. We were uh, we did peanut butter and jelly, and Rosie was an egg back in the day. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I, I think Max will just. You guys have a lot of food costumes, apparently. I know. Yeah, is bacon, a, peanut butter, and jelly eggs. Is that a sign? You guys of, know Thanksgiving is next month, right? I know. I know. I know. Fred goes. I haven't watched much of the Pacers this season. Had a lot of issues with Bally Sports on Reds telecast this summer. This seems to be a Bally issue. The problem was you were watching the Reds. That was the problem. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Just saying. So unnecessary. Ah, something wrong with my TV. The Reds are on. Yeah, ph- Phillies in seven, right, Sam? Phillies in six. Uh, game three tonight. It'll be that, and then uh, Bengals and Browns Monday Night Football. That should be an interesting one. Yeah, three interstate matchups. The Eagles beat the Steelers, 49ers over the Rams. So, is Christian McCaffrey, first time since LT. Boy. Throw a touchdown, catch a touchdown, run a touchdown in the game. That 49ers team looks pretty dangerous right now. And again, San Francisco, the trade obviously looks like it worked out. They gave up a lot. Find the desperate team over yeah. the next 24, 36 hours. Find the team who's at the bar late at night, and they'll go home with anybody. That's a goal for the Colts over the next 36 Hours. We'll continue this conversation. Uh, Jeff Saturday joins us at 9.30. Kevin and Query on a Halloween, a little bit of an overcast Halloween morning. Oh, Darren wanted to talk a little bit about the crowd noise from yesterday. Darren, I thought the ovation was pretty strong for Sam Ellinger early on. Um, I, I was more talking about when, when the opposing team has the ball. I think the um, Washington had the ball. They're going for like Ford and fourth and like two or three uh-huh. people in the background just sitting down a couple people standing up it, it was it was sounds like the Colts pass rush was, yeah now I just wonder you know if you're in the press box does it seem that quiet to you or am I just I was trying to go to bed last night and have the uh Buffalo game on and I mean every every play there was loud as could be so yeah it seems like the crowd's 
Coach checked out. Yeah, Darren, I, I've said this quite often. I think Lucas Oil is one of the quieter NFL venues. Um, I would put Buffalo near the top, and you know, I just think we got to be probably a little bit honest with ourselves of level of fandom right now and level of what your team has given you. I would say the Bills football team has given their fan base a whole lot more to cheer about than the Colts fan base. So um, I definitely get that. And honestly, and I think if you're at the game, you probably aren't showing these emotions. But Mark, I'm sure there's a segment of Colts fans that exited Lucas Oil Stadium thinking, yeah, I'm good with that result. Yeah. I mean, you competitive saw- loss, Sam Ellinger. Boost, had some nice signs. Boost the draft stock. Boost the draft stock. And again, if you're going to the game, you probably don't like – I think you probably get caught up in the moment and maybe you don't think like that and still blowing a two-score lead lay. But, Darren, I, I, I hear you out, and part of me is like, yeah, fans should cheer at any moment. But, I mean, look at the product on the field. Yeah, you're rolling with Sam Ellinger, who was your third-string quarterback just a week ago. So, there's not a lot to cheer about. So I can see why fans are sitting on their hands a little bit more. Um, also, you're probably just waiting for something to happen. I mean, they average 16.1 points per game. So it's not like they're lighting up the scoreboard like the Bills are. You're not exactly seeing the most exciting product on the field. So they want you to get a reason to give them the cheer. So many plays to put that game away. Mm-hmm. Two fourth downs. The not QB sneaking it on the third down. The Ellinger scramble. The Pittman drop. The Terry McLaurin play. So many chances. With a two point, with a two score lead, and you blow it, uh, probably the most heartbreaking loss of the season for the Colts. All right, Jeff Saturday joins us here in about thirty. Younger out of the gun, motions Moelle Cox to the right side, two receivers left. He looks that way, deep drop, going to take a shot deep downfield, looking for Alec Pierce, and Pierce, he's got it. Kick is up, and it is good. But the Colts take the lead. They take the lead, but not by the margin that they wanted. We didn't get in on a third and goal. It seemed like the percentage play. I think the charts were, you know, pretty even. Colts sweep it left side. Jets with the nine Hines. He's in there. He waltzes in from six yards away. Touchdown, nine Hines. Shotgun snap for Heineke. Dancing in the pocket again. Finds all kinds of time. He sets up. He launches downfield at the five-yard line. Broken up by the Colts. And it is a catch. Oh, what a catch. Terry McLaurin fights the football away from Stephon Gilmore. Heineke under center. Robinson is the back. And oh, it's he's... Heineke taking a shot. Make that on a quarterback plunge. He dives across the end zone. He gave and it touchdown. to him, Matt. They gave it to him. Yes. It's a quarterback keeper for Taylor Heineke. Obviously unfortunate. I thought as an offense, we had a lot of opportunities. We just shot ourselves in the foot. You know, Mark, you hear um, Matt Taylor describe Taylor Heineke as dancing in the pocket. Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis in the building yesterday to support Tart Glenn and going in the ring of honor. The Colts have a two-score lead with five minutes to go in the game. With Freeney and Mathis, that was slam the door shut, head home. Yep. Slam the door shut. Adjust the standings now. And no closing ability from the Colts yesterday. No closer whatsoever. Nothing. And as great as the defense played for three quarters, I think Heineke had two incompletions in the whole fourth quarter and like 170 yards of total offense. Again, backup quarterback, and you just let them drive down the field like that and cannot make the play. Again, the offense, two massive turnovers, as Ellinger points out, but that stands out. And again, maybe we're used to it in this market, Mark, of like we were used to 93 and 98 closing it out, closing it out. You give them a lead, they will finish it, 
right now. The Colts have invested a lot into their D-line. And for me, the pass rush has been too quiet. Something I'm really interested in asking Jeff Saturday is, did his uh, former teammates have any interesting comments about what they were seeing on the field? Did they have any uh, thoughts on what they were seeing? Like, wow, this isn't how we played. This game would be over if it was us. Who's our our pop quiz caller last week who maybe had a cold one or two before the uh, pop quiz? Oh, I forget who it was, but yeah. Maybe throw that to Jeff Saturday, get a little truth serum in there and Mm -hmm. see if he'll... uh, He'll give his yeah, thoughts on that. I, I'm disappointed with how the defense finished. Uh, Sam Ellinger, I think he did what you asked him to do. He didn't run down his leg at any point. There was never no. any point where you saw deer in the headlights or anything. I thought a couple he, Sunday throws from him, which were impressive. He was efficient. He used his legs when needed, and he was fine. Yeah, Seven I'm out looking of 10. forward to seeing him now on the road against the Belichick defense. That's a whole different animal. On yeah, the road. just to see some new things thrown at him, but um. Yeah, for me, it comes down to, again, two-score lead, five minutes to go in the game. You're at home playing a backup quarterback. If you're any good, any good, you win that game. Mm -hmm. If you're mediocre, you win that game. Like, don't tell me Washington's any good. No. They have some players, but they're they're not not doing anything special for you. I think that's what stings. You had six drives yesterday reach at least the Washington 30-yard line, six of them right on the fringe of the red zone. You turned the ball over twice, you had three field goals, and you had a touchdown. We've talked a lot about the Ellinger um, fumble. It was a great play by the Washington defender, but, man, Jonathan Taylor in that situation, that's twice now, Mark. Second half of a game in opposing territory, Taylor's coughed it up. Yeah, more un- uncharacteristic you know, ball handling skills from Jonathan Taylor, a guy who's usually very stout and very, you know, you can rely on him to hold on to the ball, just dropping it again, and it's just – I don't know what it is this year, but I feel like I've seen more balls on the ground from Colts players than I ever have in recent memory. 21 fumbles on the season. It's unbelievable. We're eight games into it. And the thing, Mark, that they have been fortunate with, largely up until yesterday, is fumble luck has been on their side. Yeah. And they don't go to the other team usually. Right. Yesterday, it finally wasn't. The Ellinger fumble, you know, pounced on by Washington, and same with the Taylor fumble. Both those were you know kind of in space where there weren't a lot of Colts players, but... Um, now 3-4-1 and one on the year, trips to Foxborough and Vegas the next two weeks. The next home game will be the Philadelphia Eagles in town. If I'm not mistaken, the Eagles go Texans this Thursday, and then I think they have the Commanders on Monday Night Football before Indy. That is correct, yep. So it'll be a short week, I guess, the, for the Philly, Eagles? if you're looking for positives. Yeah, if, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to figure out where the Eagles might lose a game, it might be in these next four games. I'm not saying against the Texans by any means, but... Commanders the following Monday, then at the Colts, and then Packers. So, and then the Titans after that. So they've got a they got a tough little stretch going on here. So, Eagles still looking good, seven and zero at the moment, but that might be tested in the next few weeks. Brian asks, "Is there any truth to Jim Irsay stating Frank Reich is safe?" I think a lot of people are kind of freaking out about those reports yesterday. Um, I simply think it's Irsay in late October trying to put a little water on the fire. That fire can start rearing its ugly head come December, come January. Yeah. And, again, Jim Irsay makes that th- those comments before yesterday. What did he watch yesterday? All of his former greats in there, one of the greatest eras in NFL history, and he watches his team blow a two-score lead to a backup quarterback with an owner he hates in the visiting owner's box, and wearing another, a hooded sweatshirt. And yet another game of a team just not being able to score, getting off to slow starts. It's rinse and repeat every Sunday, it seems like.
And if you're Ursa, again, I would be looking at probably two things stand out the most for me. My GM believes in the offensive line more than anything. They continue to fail my organization. The richly invested, most expensive O-line in the NFL. So there would be one thing I'm looking at, GM-related. And then head coach-related, I'd be saying, well, here I am coming down for halftime, ring of honor ceremony, and there we are, losing at halftime for the 10th straight game. Where and how much of that is on coaching, urgency, scripted portion of the game, out of the box, slow starts, when you continue to play from behind, it's just a recipe for disaster. It's honestly a miracle the Colts haven't lost more with these slow starts. Kevin, did you say 28 fumbles through eight games? 21. 21, okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to say at 28, the Colts would be on track to actually tie, if if that repeated itself in the second half of the season, the most fumbles by a team in a single season. I mean, 21. Think about that, guys. Ridiculous. Almost three a game. Phil wanted to ask about Tyquan Lewis' injury. No word yet. Knee injury carted off the field. He immediately motioned to the sideline. You hate to see that. Absolutely yeah. hate to see it. Second year in a row, he has suffered a knee injury. And again, if this is serious, a serious knee injury in the game right at Halloween in a contract year. And I think he's been playing pretty good football for you. I'm guessing Quiddy Pay will be back soon. But Lewis is important. Yeah. Especially because, again, you're still waiting for more from Dio Dangbo. I mean, at this point, we're not waiting for Ben Banigou. We we know what Ben Banigou is, but... Hoping for the best, but I'm not. I'm expecting to hear at least a few weeks out. All right, we're going to do our fan tweets of the game coming up here in a few minutes. Let's run down a few calls. Let's begin with John. John, what's up? Good morning, Kevin. Did I not tell you that ben, uh, Benedict Matherin was going to be a good pick or not? Did I call it or what? John, uh, you're the Arizona product, right? That is correct. Yeah, John, you and me, um, we are building the statue. You want to meet over there by GameBridge here after the show? You bet. Okay. You bet. I am so fed up with this coaching staff, both the offense. Gus Bradley is not innocent. They, Those receivers and running backs are wide open. There is no defender around them. That's why they came back to go and say, oh, well, they're not allowing a lot offensive touchdowns doesn't mean squat because they're still putting points on the board and our offense can't seem to score. Number three, why is Jim Mercy not yanking Kelly and Quentin Nelson into his office and saying, look, you guys are not paying, you guys are not playing up to your contract. Get it going or you're out of here. Always love John's passion. Very passionate fan. He was at a night in the fan cave with us. Um, yeah, if I'm thinking personnel right now, again, I'd be benching Ryan Kelly for Danny Pinter. That would be a step in the right direction. I also think you need to you need to calm the whole coaching change thing. I don't think it's going to happen in season. I mean, I'd be shocked at this point if it did, given what we've seen the first eight weeks. If it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen the rest of the season. So anybody calling for a coaching change or GM change, just you know, might want to bite your tongue a little bit because I don't think it's going to happen until and, the season concludes. You know, part of me says this, Mark. As much as I don't see like tons of positives in doing that is there an element of it sends a message it does send a message yeah but i mean you're really you're already kind of taking on water as it is if you're changing coaching stuff i mean yeah you're getting ahead of the curve than more teams that are going to end up making coaching changes but what are you really solving in the long run uh let's get to luke luke is joining us here luke happy halloween hey fellas how are you this morning 
Doing good. How are Doing you? Well. Good. I got one thing that I, I think that if I had told you this a couple months ago, I think everyone would have laughed. But, you know, we're now, what, eight, nine weeks in the NFL season, and somehow the Colts and the Pacers have the same record. A team who tried to convince us they were going to win the division title has the same record as a team who has come out and said, we're actively just about trying to lose. So, you know, probably not the exact Halloween news we wanted to hear, but the uh, the words, Kevin, that you keep saying of Halliburton, and Matherin are going to get us through the week. They yeah. are. That's they the are only. That, that's the difference is the Pacers are actually giving you something to root for for the future, whereas the Colts, you're kind of like, who's going to be here in the next year or two? You know, honestly, before every meal, you just say Halliburton, Matherin, Halliburton, Matherin. They were outstanding Saturday night. That was so fun to watch. Again, how Matherin responded, Mark, to some shooting struggles on the road, back to back. Matt. That's got to be a big game for him. Durant, Irving. Oh, yeah, for sure. In Brooklyn. Now he you is try a three-level score. 10 for 10 from the line on Saturday night. Hit six threes. He's got like a little bit of like, you can throw the floater in there. Um, I don't know if like the mid-range game is, you know, DeMar DeRozan, but I've just been so impressed by his ability to score at every level. He's one of the reasons why you put the the uh, the substantial wager down on the 30 wins because you believe in Benedict Matherin. There's a reason why after this show you're going to figure out the blueprints to take. Now, now what's exactly. the pose we want? Right. Mm-hmm. How do we want to get this set up? I'll bring the chisel, John. Yeah. Now, you've got to have Benedict Matherin banging the anvil for the Eagles game, right? I mean, you, you should. Couldn't you do that every single game? Can he run a QB sneak? Worried about Ellinger running it. I mean, if they haven't practiced it, how would he know how to do it? If they haven't run it in practice, that's what they—that's what the excuse was for Ellinger. They didn't have enough time to to rehearse it. Patrick wanted to know if Marcus Brady could take over play calling. I, I I'd be stunned if Frank Reich did that. Again, if because at that point, if you're—I mean, if you're getting rid of Frank Reich, Reich's play calling abilities, then what are you keeping Frank Reich around for? Doesn't really make much sense. Jeff Saturday going to join us in about. Five, uh, what, 15? 15 minutes. Yeah, roughly 15 minutes. Um, let's do our fan tweets from the game. Post-game headlines. All right, Mark, you fire this off after every game in five words or less. Sum up the Colts game. Mm-hmm. What were your favorites from yesterday? Yep, so we got some good ones uh, yesterday. Uh, we've got Bill K says, defeat. From Jaws of Victory, uh, Stan Lear, the retired Stan Lear, oh, who used to work at WWC, said, is anybody surprised by this? That was another good one. Uh, this guy, Ernest Bass, said, Colts kicked in the Heineke. I laughed really hard at that. Yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Those are my three good. favorites. Um, how about this one from Aaron? Offense is worse than Bally Sports. That's saying something, considering your rant earlier. Uh, Claude, yes, we can with Sam. Is that green eggs and ham? Yeah. A lot of question marks after that one, too. Uh, Chris, Colts lose to Wentz, and then in parentheses, it's apostrophe S backup. Do you think Jim Mercer is more mad about losing to Carson Wentz or Daniel Snyder? Uh, Daniel Snyder, because Carson Wentz had zero impact in the game. Daniel Snyder at least assembled the team. How dare you diminish... Carson Wentz's sideline demeanor with Taylor Heineke. That's true. That's true. By the way, does yesterday's result mean that Taylor Heineke will certainly maintain his starting job when Carson Wentz is healthy? I like Taylor Heineke. Even before they made the trade for Wentz, I like Taylor Heineke. I was like, well, if you're going to roll with a guy, like he seems like he's 
He's a decent backup at least. See what you got in him for a full season. So I actually I'm I like Taylor Heineke. I don't think he's that bad. Again, I think him and Ellinger a lot of similarities there. I would add that they've now won what two in a row with Heineke. Mm-hmm. I would assume again Wentz is on IR for two more games. The Colts need him to play right away when he comes back to get to that seventy percent playtime threshold and get that second round pick. I just unless they look terrible the next couple of weeks, I assume Heineke would at least get a you know into November he'd play the rest of that month. Therefore, you're not getting that second rounder. It's going to be a third rounder. I, All of this adds to the reasons of why I believe tomorrow should be, or today, should be a day of I, selling for the I Colts. mean, he's got the commanders, like, they were dead on arrival in the NFC East. Now they've got them within two games of the Giants and Cowboys. So, I mean, it's not out of the question. I think they're the eighth seed right now in the NFC. Yeah. And Obviously then, seven make the playoffs. Um, any more stand out to you? Uh, I, 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 sad that we're even going here, but Matt Hawk, solid performance, solid rebound. That was good to see. Uh, mixed bag from, uh, Shaq Leonard, Kenny Moore sending out the, the bizarre tweet. And yeah. Then deleting I want to, I want to hit on that in just a second. Yeah. Hawk, very nice rebound from him. Uh, this one from Mark Jaynes, a cathedral eyes are smiling. Yeah. What a play by Did Terry them McCormick. proud yesterday. What a play. Uh, the Kenny Moore tweet. Do we have the exact language pulled up here? I want to make sure that we get it right because it was deleted shortly thereafter. Let's see if I can pull it back up. Someone tweeted us at that a little bit earlier. Oh, uh, here it goes. So, so yeah, uh, a since-deleted tweet from Kenny Moore. And this is what time last night? Uh, 9.04 p.m. Said, I still love you, Indy. I'm ride or die this way. It's only con- unconditional for me, but I understand it doesn't have to go both ways. Cold world love. And then he deleted that tweet and sent another one that just said, positive vibes only. Which is usually something you send out when there are a lot of negative vibes going on. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. How do you fight negative vibes? You send out positive vibes mm-hmm. only. Uh, I did not read into that like I'm, I've am i been traded. No. I read into that. My app mentions are ripping me. Yeah. That's how I took it, too. I, did, I, I, trade, I think Kenny Moore might be blowing, but they weren't for Kenny Moore at least. Kenny Moore and Shaquille Leonard spend a lot of time looking at the stuff. A lot of time. Maybe a little too much time, you would say. I think there's some people, honestly, in the building over there at West 56th Street that would say that. Brandon, Shaquille looked tired and out of shape, didn't look ready to play yet. Um, there were definitely there were several moments of that. I thought Washington attacked him on that third drive. His first drive out there, I thought Washington ran right at him, got him in space, too. Um Poor angles, yeah. I mean, he, he had the interception. There is a knack of just sensing that, knowing where the ball is, all those things. Taekwon Lewis had a good rush there, but there were some definite, definite struggles from Leonard. Yeah, again, mixed bag. Let, let's put the all-pro stuff to the side. I think at this point we're just hoping he gets healthy uh, for the rest of the season and can you know at least be in games and not be on the sidelines. So 80% healthy at least. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be 100% at all at this point this season, but... You know, a healthy Shaq Leonard is better than no Shaq Leonard at all on that Colts defense. Ben goes with Matherin playing so well off the bench. When does he get rotated in the starting lineup? Can he produce more with more minutes? I mean, he's still playing a good amount of minutes. Um, I'm not like one of those that's like, get him in the starting lineup right now. I guess if you continue to have slow starts, um, you did start better in Washington, certainly. A little bit in Brooklyn. I think it's a matter of time, though. I think he'll crack the... So who are they starting, Duarte or Neesmith? 
I feel like with Neesmith out Saturday, I kind of forgot. Yeah, I think it was Neesmith. Who, who did start Saturday? So obviously got healed in Halliburton. And then with Duarte started on for Saturday. Neesmith because Neesmith was yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'd be fine with one of those guys going to the bench. But again, I like Matherin with that second unit. He could dominate the ball a little bit more. I think McConnell does a nice job of getting him involved, although it was Nemhard on uh, Saturday night. Nets minus nine at the moment if you're looking for that kind of sort of thing. Uh, Pacers Nets tonight at 730. So they were minus ten and a half on Saturday. Uh-huh. Nets need nice to win. They are one in five. They are off to a dreadful the start. The Lakers finally got a win last night. They did, which if you would you know, they they stink too. There's a lot of teams right now at the moment that have a lot of big money contracts that they are not good. How about this from Adam? Is Matherin a combination of all the best tributes of Paul George, Victor Oladipo, and Lance Stevenson? He has the athleticism and smoothness of George, clutch factor of Oladipo, and attitude of Lance. That's interesting. That's a solid um, comp. I see where Adam's c- going with that one. Yeah. The, there are some similarity. I could like maybe nitpick a little bit with a few of those. Uh, to be fair, I think Paul George's smoothness as a perimeter shot is pretty pretty rare, frankly, in today's NBA. Um not sure if Matherin quite has that clutch factor of Victor. I mean, I, I felt like Benedict had that in college. I know Victor had some moments, but I don't see him playing the mind games that Lance did, though. Yeah, like the he's whole the, he's attitude got the, of he's Lance got the gamer is, mentality that Lance did, but I don't see him having as like the he has you know, an mind edge, games. but he's not blowing in dudes' ears. Right? Well, not yet. It's early. Gosh, I'm I, just such a big fan. I know. Yeah, I saw Miles Turner went on the Woj pod earlier today. Seemed to be pretty open to the Lakers' interest. Again, drive up the trade value. I was talking with a buddy of mine over the weekend. You think Buddy Heald could get more in return than Miles Turner? I was thinking that too because the way that he's played so far this season, I mean, he can't be hurting his trade value. He's got to only be increasing it at this point. And, and Miles we- Turner's just been all over the board with, like I said, it's a roller. It's a Miles Turner roller coaster where. One game he's putting up big numbers. Next game you're like, did he play? Was he was he dressed? Don't we always get the deadline and it's like, man, this team needs shooting. Like you got to think Buddy's going to be really coveted, especially yeah, come February. Like you said with the Colts, find the desperate teams, take all the phone calls you can, see who offers you the best, and and get going with that. All right, Jeff Saturday going to join us here in about ten minutes. Let's do. Two mistakes yesterday for the Colts. Massive turnovers in or near the red zone. Big drop by Michael Pittman late. Here was Frank Reich afterwards on those mistakes leading to a 17-16 defeat of the Commanders. It was a red zone. I mean, you know, we get down there and we, we had a miscommunication on a snap where the ball come, you know, the, the ball came early. It was a miscommunication on a snap. And then obviously the two turnovers down there, you know, you're, you're you know, you're, you're, those are points on the board. So we get, we just got to find – and then we had a run. We're first and 10, and we get a minus five run down there. You know, so you get two turnovers, a miscommunication on a snap, a minus five-yard run, all kind of right around that 20-yard line where, we, where we're moving the ball. We, we're going to put points on the board. We're going to maybe score touchdowns, and we're coming away too many times with nothing or three points. So we got to find a way to get that corrected. 
Sam Ellinger, solid performance, like we've been talking about all morning. He went, uh, where did it go? 17 for 23 for 201 yards. Alec Pierce, three catches for 65 yards. Jonathan Taylor, 16 uh, rushes for 76 yards on the ground. Colts at the Patriots next. What was the better Ellinger throw, the ball to Pierce or the uh, little fade touch ball to Hines? I'd say the touch ball to Hines was Ellinger's better throw. Pierce, Pierce kind of added to that catch. But I thought the, the throw to Hines, they even talked about it on the broadcast, of just how difficult uh, a throw and catch that is. So I, I really, that was one where I was like, ooh, that was a nice nice little touch pass right yeah, there. Yeah, that was. And I like getting Hines isolated there on a linebacker. Elsewhere around the NFL, Titans moved to 5-2 and two atop the AFC South. They beat the Texans 17-10. to 10. Eagles all over the Steelers 35-13. Uh, Patriots made the Jets look like the old Jets uh, 22-17. They took care of business there. Broncos topped the Jaguars in London 21-17. Falcons atop the NFC South as they beat the, the Panthers in overtime 37-34. Cowboys all over the Bears 49-29. Dolphins win a thriller over the Lions 31-27. And the, Pack, uh, the Bills top the Packers 27-17. Week 8 rounds out tonight on Monday Night Football when we have the Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. Bengals minus 3.5 for that one. Uh, Kevin, Super Bowl pick, by the way, the... Uh, Shut out by the New Orleans Saints, twenty-four mm-hmm. yeah. nothing. Andy Dalton took care of business. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Hayden Clark from the Colts. I said at the start of the year, Raiders Cowboys. I I might have fifty percent of it right. Or well, are, are the Cowboys just teasing us like they do every year? I think they're teasing you. Michael Parsons is really good at football. He's very good. He he eventually made a play yesterday. They tried to hold him off in the Bears game, and he eventually made a play. Um, yeah, your Super Bowl pick not looking good. My Bills looking pretty 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 good right now. I don't know how I feel about the Bucks though. As my NFC representative. God, Don't Falcons. love that one. Falcons leading that division. Incredible. Um, all right, World Series tonight. It is Game 3. The series now in Philly. Game 3, Game 4, and Game 5 will be each of the next three nights. 8.03, first pitch. Uh, McCullers on the mound for Houston. and then Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard for the Phillies? Correct. He used to be a stud, didn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, him and DeGrom with the Mets. Right. He's kind of tailed off a little bit. Well, he's, he's coming back off of an injury. I believe, didn't he just have Tommy John last Sam, season? I don't remember. I, that, that sounds right. Sam quick to defend. No shock there. Of course. Um, in other actions tonight, it'll be the Pacers again with Brooklyn. Our coverage will begin. Is this a 7.30 tip? They do 7.30 tips out there because of traffic? I was thinking about that. We'd have to ask him, I guess. Ask Michael Grady at some point. Yeah. Who used know. to do that. We certainly know that. Um, here was Rick Carlisle on Benedict Matherin's performance on Saturday. Uh, 32 points for the Rook. Look, he's going to always be aggressive. Um, he had some good opportunities early, got right into it, um, and, you know, played a really spectacular offensive game, you know, and you know, along with big rebounds, big threes, you know, um, made some really important free throws. And, you know, he's, he's dynamic. And I know he set some kind of record tonight, you know, and and all that. Uh, you know, that's <clears throat> that's small stuff compared to where his career is is going to go. You know, if he continues um, to really work on being a great two-way player, you know, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, people in the YouTube chat are pointing out maybe the best Ellinger throw was the ball to Pittman there at the end. Yeah, that that probably is right. God, I was right on the money. What a huge drop by Pittman. Huge drop. Yeah, that's one you wish you could have back. All right, Jeff Saturday joins us next here. Kevin and Corey.
unconfirmed Mark Dykton, but I believe they registered an earthquake up in the Kokomo region yesterday, uh, ironically enough, at the same time that Jeff Saturday banged the anvil. I mean, that checks out. He wailed on that thing. Incredible force. Lucas Oil Stadium was shaking right after that, and Jeff Saturday joins us now like he does every day after a Colts game. Jeff, that was some impressive brute strength by you on the anvil. The old boy still got it, right? A little <laughs> undersized nowadays, but he still got that. You know what I mean? Felt, felt pretty good. It was a little heavier than I anticipated. I was a little nervous, but it ended up turning all right. <laughs> I, I didn't know if it was the Tariq Glenn jersey that you were rocking that maybe gave you a little bit something extra there, but uh, that was that, that was quite the scene. Oh, brother, I loved it. That, so when they asked me to do it, uh, I told him, I said, the only way I'm doing it, man, you give me a Glenn jersey. And, and, and I'm keeping it. It's going home. It's going to be put up in my office uh, for just an incredible memory, man. It was it was unbelievable. And to see uh, to see everybody, but to be up there wearing a 78, man, I couldn't have, couldn't have had more pride about that than I did. Well, also, if he, if he didn't give it his all, you know, Peyton and the boys would never have let him live it oh, down. Oh, of course not. Oh, it is. Dude, this is no joke. I'm not even off the little stage that you're on when Manning had already tweeted, I mean, already uh, uh, texted it to me. So I knew, <laughs> I told I knew, I knew they were going to have that thing. Any screw up by me, bro, would have never been lived down. So there was, there's a lot more pressure than people think. It wasn't just, it wasn't just for the fans. There were a lot of old heads there that would have given me all kinds of grief that, yeah, so the, so, so the concern was real. You know, the nerves were real. <laughs> you knew exactly who you were walking back to in that suite afterwards. I uh, <laughs> want to talk right. more about a special weekend here in a bit, but let's start with the game. And I want to begin with Sam Ellinger. Um, Jeff, just your overall thoughts on his first start and how he performed. Man, probably a, a, a little better than expected, to be frank with you. I mean, I um... – uh, you know, I, I thought he, he battled it. It was, you know, when a guy's coming in, hadn't thrown, you know, hadn't thrown a pass, and he thought, you know, it's going to take some time. But I thought he found rhythm at the end of the game. You know, the, the, the Pittman drop on the final drive, the ball can't be placed any better. Uh, and I'm not sure you're going to have a bigger moment in your first game as a quarterback, you know, with a chance to go go take it down. And unfortunately, the play's not made. But from a quarterback position, um, you know, you leave the team with a lead, uh, and when you when you were trying to come back, you put the ball right in the spot that you, you you're you're trying to. Um, both of those kind of check the box, man. You know, and and uh, I, I look forward to them involving him more in the run game. I would say, you know, getting more touches at um, kind of rounding out the offense that I think can be run with him. But but as far as like if I had to give him a grade, I would say better than expected, which has to give you a uh, you know has to give you some confidence going into next week. What did you think Sam Ellinger did best yesterday, and where was an element he might need to improve on going forward? Decision making. You know, I, I think people under underestimate how how hard it is um, to know where to go with the ball in, in time. You know, like people, you know, especially media people, you'll hear people talk about you know the guy's throwing the ball on time when the foot hits the ground, the ball's coming up. So that means that you not only have to read the the the, the coverages pre snap. When the ball is snapped, they're going from a disguised look to whatever they're truly running. Being able to figure that out in real time, the game is much faster uh, than people give it credit for. And I think he did a good job of just making sure he didn't make the mistake um, that's going to ultimately cost you the game. You know what I mean? And, and, and really, that's 
Uh, that's half the battle coming in is just making sure, look, you're, you're going to have those gunslinger opportunities where you can, you know, you can let the ball rip and hope somebody makes a play, but uh, that can't be a consistent uh, staple of your diet. And so I, th- I thought he did a good job of, of figuring that out. And, and again, man, this is, you know, I, 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 I even talking to, uh, to, to Mr. Ursay and everybody, you know, this is not a fast fix. Like this is hard work. And, and so I'm appreciative that, that, uh, of, of what Sam's doing. And, but I, I don't think people understand the undertaking. They think it's just like a plug and play. It is not. It, this is going to be, it's going to take some time, but that decision making gives you a lot of hope as well. Okay. Jeff Saturday is with us, fresh off banging the anvil in town to see his boy, Tart Glenn, go up into the ring of honor. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Jeff, I almost found it fitting and unfortunately in a losing way that the Colts have a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. And I thought something that your era did so often was just found a way to finish. The key third down conversion to keep a drive alive, ice more clock, win the game. You know, 98 and 93 coming off the edge, making a big sack when you need it the most. And whether it was Taylor Heineke extending plays and keeping drives alive, the Colts' inability to sustain drives in the fourth quarter, it just seems like that, to me, kind of sums up, if you're a good football team, if you're a quality football team, you find a way to finish that off yesterday. Yeah, no, you, you're 100% right. you you, you got to find ways to win. Um, and when you have a lead, you have to find ways to protect the lead. And I think so much of that goes into situational football. Um, and, and it was what we were really excellent at. And I think got good football teams are – I mean, you think about Buffalo last night, man. Buffalo, they don't play great in the second half, right? I mean, they start out hot as fire, and they're – they're doing everything right, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like they kind of stumble a little bit or lose focus, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, on a fourth and four, Von Miller and Johnson make a great play off the edge. It's it's those kinds of moments in games where situationally your players have to go execute and make the plays. And to your point, how teams stay in playoff contention, how they win divisions, is they find ways to, to break the will of the other team. And you, you saw it in Tennessee – or not in Tennessee, but against Houston yesterday, um, you know, riding what they do. And our problem is, and, and you know, we can, we can point a number of different ways, but what's the identity when that moment happens? And so what are we going to lean on? What are we going to do? Who's going to be our go-to? Um, and right now they're just trying to find it. And, and it's, it's unfortunate because, to your point, when you have the lead, especially when you're 3-3-1, three, three and one, you got the lead against a, an opponent that you feel like you should win and, let that one go. That's that's a brutal way to finish it out. He's banging anvils and taking names. His name's Jeff Saturday. He's former Colts center and current ESPN analyst. He's joining Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeff, what are your thoughts on Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly this season? You, you've obviously been on the offensive line before. Are you seeing some issues that they both are having? What's going on with them? Because they both seem to be struggling this season. Yeah, I don't think either of them have. I mean, I, I think Kelly played well the first three games. Um, of, of the season, you know, I would have graded him winning performances in those first three. He kind of stumbled uh, the last few weeks, and and you're and you're looking at, um, I mean, even even uh, you know at, at all three. I mean, if you go 72, 56, 78, like those are those are our guys, right? Those are the guys that we're um, that we're leaning on. That's going to be the foundation of this offensive line. And um, yeah, they've all had issues, and and unfortunately, they're not like just schematic issues. They've had issues at times. Um, you know, one-on-ones and, and, you know, key moments and all those kinds of things. And uh, it's, it's a battle, man. I mean, it's, it's a true battle in there. And, and um, 
you know, this is this is the part of the team that, you know, you were expecting to carry the team and with obviously with Jonathan Taylor. And that just has not uh, materialized yet, but not enough displacement. I mean, if I had to point it down to things that, that I look at uh, throughout the league, we, we don't we don't displace enough guys. And that's that's uh, when you have a guy, you have a runner as good as Jonathan Taylor. You got to displace people. You got to move hats. You got to push bodies around um, And that physicality right now. We just have not. We have not done that on a consistent basis. And, I mean, you think about yesterday. I think Taylor had uh, – I think he averaged four – a little over uh, four and a half yards a carry. But one carry was huge. And Hines the same way. I think he averaged, you know, right at four yards a carry. But over half his yardage was on one, you know, one one carry. And and so, um, you know, numbers don't always tell you everything. But those those kinds of things tell you that we're not we're not consistently – pushing people around right we're not we're not grounding up guys we're not pushing bodies it's explosive run here and there and overall the numbers will look fine but that's not that's not what this offense wants to be this offense wants to be when we punch you in the face and continue punching you until in the fourth quarter we make break big runs and and um so just just haven't met that goal yet Jeff, I want to uh, talk a, probably a little bit more about happier thoughts about you guys getting together this weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot of offensive line flavor with Tart going into the Ring of Honor. When you guys do have these reunion type weekends, uh, what's the story that gets brought up the most? Oh man, dude! First of all, all the stories are so much bigger and so much more <laughs> grand than in reality. But that makes it all the more fun, right? So uh, Saturday night we had a dinner. And, uh, man, I cannot tell you how much we laughed, uh, stayed out way too late, just enjoyed the heck out of each other. But every story is told, you know, like when we first met guys, uh, what they were like, and then, how, you know, how guys changed and evolved. Uh, but Ryan Lilger was there. Dylan Gandy was there. Myself, Bone, Dallas Clark, Hunter Smith. Like, we, we had uh, a number. Uh, Larry Moore, who I, I, mean, I don't know if you guys would remember Larry. He played a few years early on in my career. Uh, you know, he, he showed up for it. Um, and, and, man, when you start talking O-line, like there's not a more endearing group, I would tell you. You know what I mean? And, but but when we're on you, when we're on somebody, it's like going to be for real on. You know what I mean? And, I, like, I'm sitting there with Ryan Deem, and we're talking about Ryan Lilja. And the first time he came in, he has his Chiefs bag tag on his bag. I think we met in New England because he had just been traded. And we're like, oh, my bad, dog. Are you in the wrong locker room? You know what I mean? Like, like those those kinds of things. So, Deemer and I, we played together forever. And uh, so, we're man, there's so many, we call them tabs. So many tabs were opened up on guys. Thank God we don't find each other anymore because we'd all be freaking broke, dude, for all the things that we did and said to each other. But – uh, such love in that room, man. So much fun and joy. And, uh, man, God, just I'm, I'm so grateful I was a part of that group. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts. When Jim Irsay was up there, he called Tarek kind of one of the most beloved Colts. It seems like kind of yeah. universally liked. I assume you would uh, nod your head at that. Oh, brother. It's not, not, not – there's no question. I, I mean, I, I told everybody – I mean, he was one of – he, he is a magnet. You know, like like his personality is, and he is a giant of a human. I, I, I can remember us walking in stores, and you know, because he and I like I, we carpooled together every day, and you know, left, we lived in the same neighborhood. Our families were super close, so we would drive in places, man. Going, you know, going into some gas station, we walk in, and like the whole world like stops to look at this huge guy who's like 
the darkening the door, right? He, he has to duck his head to get in the door. You know what I mean? He, heaven forbid if Deem's with us. And it's like, it's like a circus is in town. You know what I mean? But he walks in. He's got this great big smile. Um, loves people, man. People love him. He, he and his wife, Maya, man, they, they love Indy and the community. Dream Alive, like the, 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 what they started. But I'm telling you, man, I don't know that there's a more liked individual in the world. And it's deservedly so, man. He is a kindest soul. Uh, that you've ever been around, and I'll share a quick story with you because this this was one that was brought up, but not one that's talked about much. And Lil, Ryan Lilja talked about this with uh, with Deemer and I. We're all sitting there, but we had an issue in Jacksonville, and this was when Stroud um, and and Big John Henderson were there too, kind of stalwarts there in the middle, right? And so we would go at it, and uh, Lil just said he you know he's he had just came to Indy, and one of them stirred something up with Tarek, and he said. I see Sat go at him like a freaking pit bull. I got fined for it, you know, the whole deal with the NFL. We're throwing hands and getting penalties and do, and doing all of it. And I remember, you know, Lewis looks at goes, that's when I knew this was freaking real. Like, the love is real. And I'm telling you, bro, I don't care where we were, how we would do it. it I, I'm riding with my man Bone. That is that is an incredible human being uh, that, that uh, is one of my close friends in, in, in the world Pre-football, I mean, post-football included, he is uh, he is a great human being and one that everybody uh, would love to be around, man. I'm fortunate to have him and call him a friend. He's Jeff Saturday joining us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Jeff, last one for me. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it's Halloween today. Uh, do you get dressed up in a Halloween costume? Uh, I do not. Not today. I used to. I used to quite a bit, but now I'm traveling. So I'm actually in Connecticut and New York today. So I will not be dressed up. I will be... Uh, in my ESPN attire, uh, doing work. My wife will be dressed up. She's going to help her sister do some kind of, she's a teacher. And so she's going to do some kind of thing. So they're all dressed up. And, uh, but I do, we used to do Halloween parties at the house where we would give out trophies. And I cannot tell you the amount of fun and money spent on costumes (laughs) coming over to the Saturday household, bro. It was, uh, I mean, the Vinatieri's one time, I I think they got there at like 11 because their makeup took so long. Uh, And they came in as as, uh, zombies. And it was like, I mean, it it couldn't have been even, it it was like movie set stuff, right? I mean, people came in as Kiss. Uh, We had an absolute ball. So, uh, yeah, I I love it. But today, unfortunately, I will be a boring uh, ESPN analyst. And and that's unfortunate, but that's how it is. And what's (laughs) what's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, that's a great. Probably, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Reese's. Uh, I'm go. a Reese's Cups guy, and I'm a Pieces guy. I'm. What about you guys? Oh, Reese's. I got Reese's and just uh, many little Hershey's uh, already in the yeah. bucket, ready to yeah. go. Reese's oh, gets I'll it done. I'd be double dipping your house, I'd change <laughs> costumes, and come back. <laughs> where, where does Halloween rank on the power holiday power rankings for you? Oh, I'd say it's three for me. I'm a big Thanksgiving guy. I mean, obviously, I love to eat. So eating and being around everybody and then not having to worry about, like, gifts, I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> then I would say then I would say Christmas, and then, it'd be, then, it, would be, uh, then it would be Halloween for me. So that's my, that's my order of, uh, of fun for holiday. Well, on the Jeff Saturday agenda today, along with, obviously, his ESPN uh, obligations, probably the ice bath after the anvil yesterday for Jeff Saturday. <laughs> for sure. Jeff. With a Reese's peanut butter cup on the side. Right. Obviously. Obviously. There you go. No doubt. No doubt. Jeff, glad you had such a blast in Indy this weekend. And uh, as always, thank you, man. I uh, love you, fellas. Y'all be good. Have a great one. That's a great Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline. We'll do it one final time here. Kevin and Query on a Halloween morning.
What was that that Jake just texted us, Mark? Something about, what did he say? Something about how he was climbing the dome of the Florence Cathedral today <clears throat> in honor of yesterday's Colts game. I may get six feet from the summit, but lay down instead. He and I are in agreement with the uh, field goal instead of going for the uh, touchdown. So you, again, let's go back to that. You wanted to go for the touchdown 12-32 to go, yep. early fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. At that point, the game is 7-6, to six, the commander's lead. Um, I that think would have been right after Jonathan Taylor got stuffed on third down. Well, I think you have... Jonathan Taylor, who led the NFL in rushing last year, you also have the most expensive offensive line. So, yes, even if you don't get it, which wouldn't have surprised me if they didn't get it, you at least are going for it and you're putting literally Taylor Heineke and the commanders, their backs up against the wall in their own end zone. Yeah, it was a fourth and goal from the two. Chase McLaughlin field goal there, so the Colts take a 9-7 lead. I, You know, Mark, I think in the press box, I was good with the field goal attempt in that situation. I think at that point, Washington had gone, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, had gone five straight drives without scoring. Um, I certainly hear you that you obviously are pinning Washington back, but you know if you look at how that sequence played out, I know hindsight is pretty 20-20, but you take the lead there, you go up 9-7. The next play, Shaquille Leonard interception, you punch it in, you know, three plays later, four plays later, I mean, you're up 16-7. to I mean, that's... When they got to two scores, I kind of thought about it how I've thought about the Colts when they've been down two scores this year of like that's insurmountable. Uh-huh. Well, nothing's insurmountable with this with this Colts team. That's why I would have liked them to see it get as many points as possible. And it just felt like when you kicked that field goal, you kind of were playing not to lose at that point. And you still end up losing anyway, but because you didn't decide to punch in and be aggressive, which is very un Frank Reich like of himself, uh, you kind of played not to lose at that point. You weren't playing to win, you were just playing not to lose. And you end up losing anyway. I would like to have seen them sneak it there when they punted away. How about not going in shotgun? That would have been a good idea, too. Yeah, because the third down was Taylor in shotgun. Yeah. Boy, Ellinger was in shotgun all day. Mm-hmm. All day. A little less shotgun going forward would be nice. Um, Looking at tonight, World Series, Bengals, Browns, Pacers, what, what, what piques your interest? Well, I'd like to see if the Pacers can uh, take care of the Nets again, the the Nets are desperate, which is crazy to say, like seven games in. But they're one in five. They need a win in the worst way. So I think, uh, and they, 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 Kyrie Irving could use to not be talking anymore. That would be good too. Oh boy. So anything that they could get get off the post game scrum and on on court stuff would be nice for the Nets. And what's the line again? You said close uh, to ten. Nets minus nine. So uh, we'll see what happens there. So I would like to see Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton have another solid. Uh, Tandem performance. We'll see what happens there. Can they take two on the take all three on the road? Would be nice, but taking two out of Brooklyn would be very impressive to see. World Series. I'm all over that one. I'm rooting for the uh, the Phillies, as you know. Uh, Phillies in seven, much to Sam's disappointment. And then, uh, okay, he's just stood up very aggressively. I, I was gonna invite both of you guys to Trafani's after the show for some sloppy Look at these shades. Flash those on the old YouTube. I, I can't because the audio up. gets messed up if I switch to the triple camera. Oh. But if you Google Indianapolis 575th anniversary Kroger shades, there you go. You're rocking them. For those that missed it, Sam Fritz, share us your costume. Uh, I'm dressed up as one of the uh, Dan Flash's models. Uh, Anybody who hasn't seen the show, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Season two, episode two. Enjoy yourself some good sketch comedy. It's a very good show. 
I'm about a, a four out of a five on a crispy bacon scale. I think I mentioned Ben Matherin, you'd be a full five. Yeah, well, that's a given. That's extra crispy right there. And I'm Eddie Munson from Stranger Things, for those of you that watch that show, which apparently is no one else in this room. Well, I just, I'm not up to date. I've watched Well, you need to catch seasons, up. But yeah, need to catch up. Hopefully Mother Nature cooperates tonight. Temperature looks okay, but hopefully the rain um, stays all, stays out of the area. So Have a fun and safe trick-or-treat. Exactly. Everybody enjoy Halloween. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Dane Brugler, NFL Draft Analyst. Talk some quarterbacks tomorrow.